Welcome to the Royal Ramble Podcast on this Thursday, March the 9th, 2017, here on itsyourradio.com. I am your host, Brian Senek. With me, as always, is the co-host, Ryan Mortarano. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. I'm doing good, man. How about you? I'm doing pretty good myself. We have a lot to talk about within the next two hours of the show, as a lot has gone on over the past couple of days, basically for the past week since we were last on the air. Um, you know, we got a recap what went down this past weekend. We have UFC 209 went down. We had Fastlane going down. Uh, Ring of Honor had a big event called Manhattan Mayhem, which was a big show that went down. Plus, our, we'll give our usual weekly recap, Raw, SmackDown, NXT. We're also going to talk about some WCPW today. They had a big show this past Monday called Exit Wounds. If you check that out on YouTube, it was a great show. We're going to recap that. Plus, they have a big show coming up on March the 20th. And later in the show, we got to give our preview and our predictions for two big events that are going on over the next couple of days. Tomorrow night, of course, is Ring of Honor's 15th anniversary show in Las Vegas. And beginning, I believe, on Saturday morning going to Sunday, the first round of the 2017 New Japan Cup will take place. So me and Ryan are going to give our full predictions for that entire bracket. We're going to make our predictions on who is going to win the New Japan Cup and then challenge Kazuchika Okada for the uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship some point in the summer. Before we get into all that, though, guys, we'll give you guys our social media website so you can follow us for on Twitter. You can follow us at Royal Ramble IYR. Personally, you can follow me, B underscore Senec95. As for Ryan, you can follow him at Ryan underscore Martirano. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And... Follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. If you guys happen to miss us live every week, Thursday, 4 p.m. on itsyourradio.com, you can subscribe to our show on both iTunes and Stitcher. Our shows are always up the very next morning. So there you have it. So we have a lot to talk about, Ryan. Um, we'll start things off with went down this past weekend uh, with the UFC and uh, WWE. We'll start off, of course, with the WWE as this past Sunday we had – uh, Fastlane, the final pay-per-view for Raw uh, before WrestleMania, and I'm going to be completely honest with you, Ryan, and you know where I'm going with this. This was this had to be one of the worst shows I have ever seen. In all my years of watching WWE pay-per-views and pay-per-views in general from any other wrestling company, this was hands down one of the absolute worst pay-per-views I have ever watched. Um, not really because of the wrestling. I thought the wrestling on the show was solid. I thought most of the matches delivered very, very well. But the reasoning why it was so, so terrible was of the booking. The booking on this show was just a catastrophe, a disaster. 
And we'll start right off with the main event, of course. Uh, I'm not going to get into that much because we knew this was going to happen. We knew what the outcome was going to be in this main event for the Universal Championship. And it went down the way I thought it was going to go down. Goldberg versus Kevin Owens was was about to start. And then you hear Chris Jericho come out. He's going to interfere, distract Kevin Owens. He did that. Owens turns around. Boom. Spear. Jackhammer. One, two, three. New Universal Champion. Now, of course, we both gave our predictions on what the duration of the match was going to be. I said 50 seconds. You said over a minute. I timed it out. It was around 21 seconds, which is an absolute joke, but that's a Goldberg match for you people. He doesn't wrestle long matches, all right? The highest this man can really go, realistically, is maybe around five to six minutes. And this is just not now, people. Going back to his days in WCW when he was at the top of the mountain, that's the matches he had. He wrestled six to seven minute matches, all right? He never really had a great back and forth match. He always squashed people. It worked back then. People bought into it. But this is not 1998. This is not 1999. This is 2017. Goldberg back then was in his mid-30s. He's now 50 years old. And it's still infuriating to me that at the age of 50 years old, back in the WWE for the first time in 12 years, that this man is now the Universal Champion and is going to be going to WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar, likely in the main event, I don't want to hear that, you know, we're going to see Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt main event in the show. It's not going to happen, people. It should happen, but there is no chance in hell that Bray and Randy go last and not Goldberg Brock Lesnar. That is going to be the final match of the show. I will put money on it. But back to what happened on Sunday. Again, we expected this to happen, but it's still an absolute damn shame that it did happen. And there is nobody... Nobody that should be more pissed than Kevin Owens. Now, I don't think he is pissed, but if I'm Kevin, I'm in Vince McMahon's face about this. I'm like, Vince, I get it. Goldberg is a bigger name than me. He's a bigger draw. But I'm here 300 days a year. I'm working my ass off. I'm on Raw every single week as your world champion. I'm doing my absolute best to make this championship relevant. To become a top star. It hasn't gone that well because of the booking. But still, I'm trying my best. And this is how you repay me. I lose my Universal title three weeks before WrestleMania. And now I'm moving on to a few with, yes, Chris Jericho. But for the mid-card championship, I mean, come on, people. It's absurd. And again, you know, I've said it number a number of times. Kevin Owens got CM Punked. This was the exact same thing that happened to CM Punk three years ago. You know, he was on a tremendous run as champion. He was the top guy in all of WWE, having this 434-day title reign. And we're getting closer and closer to WrestleMania, where he should be in the main event of that show. But he had to drop the belt to The Rock, who had his first, what, you know, his first match in seven, eight years on a WWE television I, it's, it's ridiculous, people. I, I don't know what Vince is thinking these days, but it's absurd that now, almost every year now, that aging part-timers who had their great days back then but not now are still taking spotlights away 
from the hardworking full-timers. It's absurd. So again, I'm not going to dive into it big time. We all expected it. There are people that pissed off about it. I get it. But people, if you follow the booking, if you follow this company and the way they create storylines, you know, you should have known that this was going to happen. It's sad, but it was expected. And now Goldberg is going to face Brock Lesnar probably in the main event for the Universal Championship. While Kevin Owens is, yes, facing his good friend Chris Jericho. Should be a great match. But still, I would have loved to seen a Jericho-Owens match for the Universal title and not for a mid-card belt. That's it. But again, Goldberg is the new champion. It's sad. But like I said, it was expected. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, again, people are mad. People are complaining. Of course, we understand it. But again, if you've been watching WWE for as long as, you know, me and you have, Brian, I mean, this is not shocking at all. I mean, I don't know why people are shocked that they made this decision. Now, like you said, we've known it was coming for a while. But, you know, even the fact that, you know, Goldberg's going to be in the main event with Lesnar and he's it's going to be for the Universal Championship. I mean... I know people don't like that, but you have to understand it. I don't like it, and I'm definitely not defending it, but I understand it because nowadays it's all about business. It's all about money. That's what it is. And WrestleMania, that's what happens when WrestleMania comes around. Like you said, aging part-timers take away the spots from the younger stars because they are more marketable. Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. That right there is a huge match, okay? Business-wise, money-wise, the market, you know, market, marketably. And, you know, we already saw these two go out of that Survivor Series. So the only way to have this match go on again and to be intrigued and stuff like that was to put the belt on the line as well, to have the belt involved. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not defending this whatsoever. Uh, trust me, I'm totally not for this. But again, I understand it because it's a business. So unless you you know, just started watching WWE yesterday, you, you can't be shocked at this. You really can't because, like you said, it's a recurring theme year after year, and we've seen it numerous times before. Uh, like you said, we knew this was coming when he beat Kevin Owens, and it was still hard to watch. Uh, it just really, really was. But you know what? It happened the exact same way as I predicted it to happen. Chris Jericho, uh, you know, came out. His music hit. They didn't even—he didn't even get physical with Kevin Owens. But he just walked down the ramp. Owens got distracted. Naturally, the bell rings right when Jericho walks out. Makes no sense logically, but mm-hmm. you know, you knew it was going to happen. Owens turns around, and there it is. And, you know, we, we talked about this, too. He had to lose in less time than it took Goldberg to beat Brock Lesnar because, you know, that just makes sense storyline-wise. You can't have Owens last longer in the ring with Goldberg than Brock freaking Lesnar did. So, again, it was hard to watch. It was. But, you know, after the fact, it just I kind of watched it and had no reaction because it was the same exact thing that I predicted ever since they announced the match in the beginning. And it's just so funny going on social media to see everybody complaining about it like everybody was surprised it happened. I mean, really, people, come on now. And, again, I understand why people are upset, too. You know, Kevin Owens should have brought the belt in there. He should be, you know, defending his universal title. But you know what? Him fighting for the United States title, he'll probably win the United States title because I highly doubt Chris Jericho is retaining it because I highly doubt he's sticking around long after Mania. So, again, this, I know, you know, Owens goes from the top of the mountain to a mid-card belt, but at least he's still getting something here. I, I mean, come on. This guy's in the back right now that would kill to be in Kevin Owens' spot right now. So at least he's not being forgotten about. At least he's still 
doing something and fighting for a championship. Uh, I know, you know, he's not at the top for the Universal title, but this could be a blessing in disguise for Kevin Owens because we mentioned before how awful his title reign was. Maybe they press the reset button, and I wouldn't doubt them putting the belt back on Owens, you know, in, in the future, too. I mean, I don't see why he can't win it back. Uh, you know, if the draft happens in, in the summer, if he goes to SmackDown, maybe he fights for the WWE Championship. I don't see why Kevin Owens can't be on the back, uh, on the top of the mountain uh, sooner rather than later. So, again, it's a little setback for him. But like you said, he's fighting for the United States title at WrestleMania. I still think that's a positive uh, if you look at it like that. So, again, we, we should have expected it. We should have known this was going to happen. Anybody who was surprised, like you said, uh, I just don't understand why. Yeah, and then like like I said, you know, you made it perfectly clear. You know, it's all about business. I understand it as well. It's infuriating that that's what we're in right now. Is that in 2017, guys main eventing WrestleMania shows are in their mid 40s to, to early 50s. Doesn't make sense, but I understand it from a business standpoint. Is that again, you know, we Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, those guys are the future, but. They're still not big names like Triple H is, like The Undertaker is, like Goldberg is, like Brock Lesnar is. And they're going to draw more money. And that's what it's all about to Vince McMahon. He wants to draw the most money he can make on this WrestleMania. And if he has to go to the point where it has to be Brock versus Goldberg for the Universal title, he's going to do it. And again, I'm like, like you said, Ryan, I'm not here defending it either. I think it's ridiculous, but... That's what it is these days, and we have to accept it. Nothing is going to change that thought process from Vince McMahon. When he sees he has an opportunity to make the most money he can make, he's going to go for it. And most of the time, the people that are going to be involved in this investment will include old-timers because they draw bigger viewership because they are big names in this business. So, again, it was sad to watch, but it was expected. But for the rest of the show... Let's dive into what was an absolute disaster of a show when it comes to booking. Starting off with the Roman Reigns-Braun Strowman match. Now, I said it on uh, when we did our predictions on uh, the Thursday, last Thursday, that you know I expect this to be a very good match. And it was a very good match. I was looking forward to the match because I thought they did a very solid job in hyping up this Strowman-Roman Reigns match. And it was going to be a physical battle, which it was. Um, in terms of the outcome, I predicted that, you know, Roman was going to win the match because Braun was going to get carried away, get disqualified. And you had the opposite, Ryan. You basically had that Braun was going to win the match because Undertaker was going to, was going to, um, distract Roman Reigns to get some sort of vengeance from Roman after he was eliminated at the Royal Rumble, which I was perfectly fine with. And I, and to be quite honest with you, Ryan, that was what I was expecting on Sunday I was waiting for the lights to go out. I was waiting for The Undertaker to appear. And I thought he was going to come in, basically chokeslam or tombstone Roman, and Braun gets the win or whatever way you want to finish it. But we didn't get that, Ryan. We, we got plain and simple a clean victory for Roman Reigns over Braun Strowman. And, Ryan, that makes absolutely no freaking sense. Why does it make sense? Because all these months, you know, ever since the brand split, when they officially had Braun Strowman separate himself from the Wyatts, and now he's on his own, all these months they built this guy up as this unstoppable monster. No one can beat this guy, whether it's jobbers or even superior talent. No one can beat this guy. And they did a pretty damn good job, Ryan, in making us believe that. The way they booked his matches, the way they booked his storylines, whatever feud he was in, 
The guy was a dominant force to be reckoned with. And we're heading to WrestleMania, and you would think with this current run that he's on, you would think that he was going to get a big, big, big part of the WrestleMania show. And he was running with so much momentum. But you have Roman Reigns, out of all people, the guy that everyone despises. He's the one to end this undefeated streak of Braun Strowman. It doesn't make sense. It makes sense for Vince McMahon because, again, it's all about Roman Reigns. This guy has to do absolutely everything. He's got to beat everybody. He has to be at the top of the mountain. He needs all the spotlight in the world. And that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. This made absolutely no sense in the world. They have Roman Reigns pin Braun Strowman cleanly, all right? Because let's be honest, Ryan, even if Braun Strowman beat Roman Reigns cleanly, that doesn't kill Roman Reigns, all right? He's always going to be around because he's Roman Reigns. I don't care what anybody says. Roman beating Braun, that's not a good luck, especially when Roman beat this guy clean. He beat him in the middle of the ring cleanly. That is not a good look for Braun Strowman. Because now people can look at him and say, you know what, this guy is beatable. And that's not what your job should be, WWE. You have to convince your fan base that this guy is unstoppable. That not even the great Roman Reigns can beat this guy. But they didn't do it. You have your number one guy, Roman Reigns, beat this undefeated streak that was going pretty damn well. You know, I was getting into this Braun Strowman streak. I was liking it. He was awesome. He's a badass. And to see it end... The way it did at Fastlane, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like I said, it makes sense for Vince because that's his guy and Roman needs to be over everybody. But again, in terms of the storyline and the months of buildup you have for Braun Strowman, it made absolutely no sense. And that was one of the first of many terrible booking decisions on this show. Yeah, that was bad. Um, definitely didn't expect that. You know, we both predicted a, a double countout or a disqualification or something along the lines of that. I thought the Undertaker might appear. Uh, I, it was probably better that it was uh, you know saved for the night after for Raw, which kind of uh, was expected after he didn't show up there. But yeah, I mean, I don't understand it either. Um, again, I guess you could say this isn't really that shocking either. Like you said, this is Vince's guy. Uh, obviously, you know they have a love affair with Roman Reigns, so. It's just not surprising to see this stuff happen, but I do think Braun Strowman is going to be okay uh, as a result of it. I, I don't think it hurt him too badly. Uh, you know, it's definitely not a good look. Uh, but again, you know, to have Roman Reigns lose going into a match with the Undertaker—that's not a good look either. Uh, again, I would have done the double countout or disqualification type thing. So I just—I'm not sure why they didn't go that route. Like I said, maybe they just want Roman Reigns to look strong heading into the match with the Undertaker because I don't think Braun's going to have a big big spot at WrestleMania this year, and that's really sad to say, but I think he's going to be in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and I do think he'll probably win that, um, but again, that's not really a match that this guy deserves after the year that he's been having, uh, you know, ever since he broke out, you know, during this brand split, he's just been absolutely killing it on Raw, he's probably one of the brightest spots on Raw week after week, I mean, he, he's just, he's a monster, and he didn't, didn't know the side of him until he kind of broke away from Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family. Um, you know, I did see something, though, that I read online, and I'm going to give credit to Justin Labar, who is a, uh, you know, wrestling analysis. Uh, you know, he says that the night after Raw uh, Mania, the Raw after Mania, he thinks Braun Strowman's walking out of that Raw with the Universal title. And that's really interesting, because it gets you really thinking 
Uh, you know, if Braun doesn't have a big spot at Mania, they have to have big plans for this guy. They absolutely have to. So my thinking is maybe his big moment comes the night after on Raw. Because maybe, you know, he beats whoever's a universal champion somehow. Again, don't know how this match gets gets planned. I don't know how it happens. I don't even know if it's going to happen. But I can't see Brock Lesnar holding the universal title if, you know, bearing he wins it at WrestleMania. I can't see this guy holding it for until SummerSlam. They're just not going to do that again. They tried it once before, but that was, you know, they didn't have a brand split. They didn't have, you know, like two titles like this, two separate shows. So they got away with, you know, having main events on pay-per-views not be for the championship where while Brock Lesnar was MIA with it. They cannot afford to do that nowadays. Raw is absolutely god-awful. Can you imagine if they didn't have the Universal title on Raw for a couple of months? They would even make it even more awful, if that's even possible. So, I don't think Brock is walking away with this belt, and I don't really think, obviously, Goldberg's walking away with the belt. So, I think Braun Strowman walking away with it is definitely a possibility. So, I'm not too worried about this guy. Again, I'm just trying to think long-term. They have to have big plans for him. But like you said, Brian, it's definitely not a good look having him lose cleanly to Roman Reigns. But again, it's similar to the Goldberg thing. You got to understand it and you got to accept it because he is the guy and everybody complains about it. Everybody can, you know, bitch and moan about it all they want. But this is the reality we live in. And they did it with John Cena and now they're doing it with Roman Reigns. They shove guys down our throats who they think are the future. And we might not like it, but we're just going to have to deal with it. It is what it is. And uh, in terms of the Braun Strowman universal title situation, I'm not going to go that far in saying that that's going to happen. Is it a possibility? Maybe. But you just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen that night after Raw because anything can happen that night. It's always been called the most unpredictable, anticipated Raw of all uh, every single year, the night after WrestleMania. So maybe something big will happen that night, but we just never know. Other stuff that happened on the show in terms of booking that made completely zero sense. You may disagree with me on this one, Ryan, but the women's title situation made completely no sense to me. Now, look, I mean, I was not, you know, looking forward to this match anyway because I've seen it a number of times. Again, it's WWE or specifically Raw continuing to repeat matches time and time again. Um... And we had an, another Bailey Charlotte match for like the foot, the sixth, seventh time since uh, you know Charlotte ended her rivalry with Sasha Banks, and you know we made our predictions. I thought Charlotte was going to win the belt back because that's what we've been seeing. What that? Excuse me, that's what we've been seeing, you know, throughout the entire year is that Charlotte doesn't lose at pay per views, and it's been the same narrative that she loses the belt on Raw, but then she gets the belt back at a pay per view. And I thought we were going to see the same exact thing this Sunday. And you had it in a way where Charlotte was going to win the match, but Bailey retains the belt because Sasha Banks was going to get involved and disqualify Bailey. And we didn't get that either. I mean, we did get Sasha Banks involved in the match, and she causes Charlotte the belt again. And Bailey pins Charlotte one, two, three, and cleanly, and the pay-per-view streak is over with. Now, look, I, I was never a fan of the pay-per-view streak with Charlotte. I felt it made no sense. There was no great meaning to it. Who gives a crap that Charlotte is undefeated at pay-per-views? Doesn't mean crap to me. But they were making it a big deal. That Charlotte's undefeated at pay-per-views. She can't be being at pay-per-views. She's the queen of pay-per-view. And you would think with them building this up and making this such a big deal, you would think that the best way and the best place to end this streak is at WrestleMania. Where moments happen like that. But nah. It was wasted on a B 
or if you want to say F pay-per-view in Fastlane. It made no sense to me, Ryan. Now, yes, I'm happy it's over with because I don't want to hear about it anymore. But in terms of the way they were building this up, Ryan, with the story where it was going, it doesn't make sense. Because you would think that the best place to end this streak is at WrestleMania. Because that would have been a great moment. Not to me, but to some people, it would have been a great moment. Holy crap, the pay-per-view streak comes to an end at the biggest show of the year. But no, we didn't get that. The streak freaking ends at Fastlane. Really? That's where you end the streak? You made this such a big deal, but you can't have it You, you can't have it end at WrestleMania? You have to have it end at Fastlane? It's ridiculous. And in terms of where they're going with Sasha Banks, is this heel turn going to happen? I don't know. Maybe down the road, but right now, I don't see anything right now that tells me Sasha's turning heel. Because you would think the place they would turn her heel is at Fastlane. She gets involved in the match. She beats up Bailey, calls it disqualification, or maybe we could have saw a heel turn on Monday Night Raw. I was convinced that she was going to turn heel Raw. Nope, we didn't get that either. So who the hell knows when Sasha's turning heel? But again, back to the match Sunday. It was an okay match. Nothing really special about it. But the booking of this match was so freaking poor, man. And like I said before, I'm not here defending the pay-per-view streak. I don't like it. I never liked it from the moment they mentioned about it. And I'm happy it's over with. But again, in terms of the storyline and the way they were building up this freaking thing as a big deal, it doesn't make sense to have it end at a B pay-per-view in Fastlane. It was better served for WrestleMania because the moment would have been bigger. And that's something that Raw has been bad at. You know, they're making moments, but they're not happening at the right time. Bailey winning the belt on Raw for the first time made no freaking sense. Her first title win should have been WrestleMania. The moment would have been bigger. Same goes for the Charlotte situation. She has this undefeated streak at pay-per-views. They built it up. It should end at WrestleMania, not at Fastlane. Why at WrestleMania? Because it's a bigger moment. Because it's on a bigger show. That's what I don't like about it. I'm happy the streak is over. I'm shocked Bailey's still champion. But again, Ryan, in terms of the storyline, ending this pay-per-view streak at Fastlane makes zero sense to me. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, again, if you're talking storyline purposes, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. But uh, am I happy that, you know, Charlotte didn't win the belt? Absolutely. I mean, I don't think she could have afforded to. Uh, you know, win the belt back. I think, you know, again, Bailey retaining it was the right move. Uh, you know, and again, I hope she retains it at WrestleMania. I hope Bailey has a long run with this belt. I mean, I'm sick and tired of the hot potato game. It's enough is enough. But yeah, I mean, I completely understand what you're saying. And they should have gone the route that I said when I predicted it last week. I made, I said that Charlotte's going to win, but by disqualification. So she still keeps the pay-per-view streak intact. But doesn't win the title because let's face it, her winning the title would have been awful, god awful. I don't, I don't want to hear you know, oh, Bailey, Bailey could have won it back in Mania. It's a bigger moment like that. No, no, no. She won it. She had her moment already in Las Vegas. She had that moment. She won it. Now it's all about keeping it. Never mind you know, giving it back to Charlotte for a sixth time. Can you, six times. Could you imagine if they give it back to Charlotte sixth? title reign would have been this ridiculous hasn't even been around for a year it literally hasn't even been around for a year and she has five title reigns with the damn thing like she could not have afforded to win this belt so but again i, I understand what you're saying it definitely should have ended at wrestlemania but again she should have won by disqualification sasha should have turned heel we should have got something here because right now they set up this triple threat and we'll get into raw in a little bit but with the way that they set up this triple threat 
It doesn't even look like Sasha's turning heel on Bailey. She's in the match anyways. I, I don't understand. Is is she going to turn heel or what? Because I think Sasha needs to turn heel at this point. I mean, come on. They've been teasing it for too long. What, is she going to be best friends with Bailey forever? I, I think her turning on Bailey would just be perfect. And I'm waiting for it to happen. And I don't think it's going to happen until after Mania at this point. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like you're saying, it, from a storyline purpose standpoint, I was very, very confused when I saw that happen. I think everybody was. And like you said, just goes back to what you said in the beginning, how bad the booking was uh, for this pay-per-view, which is what made it so disastrous to watch. So, I mean, yeah, I, I really don't know what they were thinking on that one. And to put so much into her pay-per-view streak and then to just throw it all away, I, it just seems to me that they gave up and just didn't care after a while. Yeah, and that's the thing. They don't care because, you know, us fans are suckers. You know, we keep going on these uh, – uh, radio shows, we do our own podcast, we go on social media, and we just basically kill WWE. We kill it because they don't book things right, storylines are not going well, they restrict matches, but the next day, we keep watching it, and we're suckers for that. We have to live with it, but I mean, for me personally, I'm just talking about WWE because I have a radio show, and, you know, you know that's one of the shows that is on every week. You know, I, I don't have a specific TV um network that i can watch you know new japan pro wrestling and ring of honor they don't have big tv deals uh like wwe does so we're basically stuck watching wwe but again you know just the booking has been so poor but they don't care you know because they know in the very end they're still going to be making money now as for the rest of the show again nothing was special um the tag team match between gals and anderson versus uh enzo and Cass was solid I'm happy that Gallus and Anderson retained the belts. There's no reason for them to drop the belts at this time. Um, you know, Samoa Joe versus Sami Zayn was okay. People liked the match. It was okay. I, ju I just felt that Joe dominated most of the match. Sami got a couple of nice shots in, but it really wasn't a great back-and-forth contest. It was more about Joe showing off his dominance, which is okay because, again, if you're WWE, you want to showcase how dominant Samoa Joe is. And so far, they have booked this guy pretty damn well. Uh, the matches in between, you know, the pointless matches of Jinder Mahal versus Cesaro, and then right after Rusev versus Big Show. What the hell was that? I, I, this, I mean, watching that, I'm like, are you serious? I mean, it feels like I'm watching a Monday Night Raw episode right now, seeing these matches go down unannounced, and there was no build up to it. They were just put on the show, and we know why they were put on the show because the more matches go on, the later the show will go. And that will leave uh, not enough time space to have a Goldberg-Kevin Owens long match. So when it was 10:52, we all and Goldberg and, and and Owens still hasn't started yet. We all knew that that match was going to end quickly. But still, seeing wasted matches like Mahal and Cesaro and Show versus Rusev were stupid. The only positive about this show, Ryan, was the cruiserweight match. I can't believe I'm going to say that, but the Cruiserweight match was the most enjoyable thing I watched in that entire show. It was booked well, the match was freaking fantastic, and both stars in the match looked very good. You know, Jack Gallagher, to me again, is a guy that is too cartoony to be a legitimate title contender, but I thought he did himself pretty good in this match. He took it to Neville. Neville was Neville. The guy was, you know, he basically was awesome in the match. And he, again, you know, he showcased his skills, why he may be the best cruiserweight on that on the show right now. So that was only the big positive about that show, which is sad to say, because you had Braun versus Roman, you had Goldberg versus Kevin Owens, you had uh, Charlotte versus Bailey, and the best part of your show 
was a cruiserweight match between Neville and Jack Gallagher. That was the only part of the show that I enjoyed. You know, again, the, the wrestling on the show was good. What killed the show for me was the booking. The only segment that nailed it with the wrestling and the booking was Neville and Gallagher. They got a lot of time to go in there, do their thing. They put together a very good back-and-forth match. Both guys looked very good, and the booking was perfect. Neville won the match. He's still the Cruiserweight Champion. Gallagher doesn't look that bad because he hung in with the best in the division. So, again, for Fastlane, it was a failure. It was one of the worst pay-per-views I've ever seen, personally. Again, not just because, you know, the wrestling. It was good. The wrestling was very good. What killed the show, though, is the booking. The booking was god-awful on this show. And, again, you know, for this, for this to be your final show going to WrestleMania... That's a failure for WWE. You, know, you want this show to be good, so you want to get fans amped up for WrestleMania, and that's not the case. The show, really, really disappointed, but again, you know, Fastlane, it was a failure, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, that, absolutely, a complete failure. I mean, uh, yeah, some of the other matches were okay, but they weren't all that great. I mean, I think Samoa Joe, Sami Zayn definitely should have... Uh, had more time. I think they could have done something really special if they had the time for it. Yeah, like you said, I mean, Samoa Joe dominated basically the whole thing. But again, I kind of expected that because, you know, Samoa Joe is the one who really has to benefit here, not really Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn's like a Dolph Ziggler, in my opinion. You know, he can lose all these matches and get dominated all the time. I mean, God, he lost again to Kevin Owens on Monday. How many times has Kevin oh, Owens God. beat Sami Zayn? I mean, has Sami ever beat, beat Kevin Owens? I mean, uh, maybe Don't going even get me started days. on that. But, I mean, it's ridiculous. This guy loses all the freaking time, and yet he's still featured, and fans still love him, but it's basically like Dolph Ziggler. I mean, he'll, he'll always lose. He'll always just be there, but the fans will always still love him. He's like a fan-favorite type guy. But, I mean, again, that was what Samoa Joe was made for. He was made to benefit from it more than Sami Zayn, so I wasn't surprised at that. The tag match was okay. I mean, I think we're getting it again at WrestleMania. I think Sheamus and Cesaro are going to be added. I think it's going to be a triple threat tag match at WrestleMania, so I'm all for that. Um... Yeah, like you said, the Cruiserweight match, I think that was the best match on the show. And in my opinion, I think that was the best Cruiserweight match that I think we've seen in a long, long time. Maybe if ever. I mean, really, I can't think of a better Cruiserweight match than that one. Uh, the one at the Royal Rumble was pretty good between uh, Neville and Rich Swan, But I think this one beat it for sure. And, uh, you know, you got to understand why, you know, Vince sees something in Jack Gallagher. is because this guy is one of the best Cruiserweights that they have. In my opinion, he's very entertaining. He gets it done in the ring. Him and Neville have great chemistry. Uh, it was a great match. Like I said, I think it stole the show, which is funny to say. Uh, that's how bad this pay-per-view was. As far as the uh, Rusev, Big Show, and um, Jinder Mahal stuff, I mean, that was only to buy time. It went on way too long, but that's what they had to do to fill time because Goldberg was going to go under a minute, and we knew that. And again, that's why they had to buy time because the main event – only lasted, what, 30 seconds? I, I mean, again, this is what happens when you have Goldberg featured is it screws up the whole rest of the show because you need to buy time because you're not getting a quality main event. So that's the only reason why those guys dragged it out. I mean, my God, at one point I, I stopped paying attention. I looked back. I'm like, wow, this match is still going. I thought, but again, it, it registered in my head that Goldberg going 30 seconds in the main event with Kevin Owens was the reason for that. So uh, overall, I just want to forget about this pay-per-view. Thank God we're f finally on the road to WrestleMania, finally getting matches to WrestleMania because this just was God-awful. And again, it, it's I, I can't even, again, I don't even want to talk about it anymore because that's how awful it was. It was just uneventful. 
uh, you know, throughout. And again, the main event just did not help it either. So again, coming out of this, uh, you know, definitely did not, uh, you know, feel good about this one. Now, yeah, the, the, sh- the show was an absolute disaster, but I did thought that Raw rebounded in a big way with their with their show this past Monday night. They did a very good job with the show. It was the better show of the week. You know, we're going to get into SmackDown. I wasn't a fan of SmackDown, but I liked Raw this week because there was a lot of good segments. Uh, right out of the gate, you know, the Chris Jericho, Kevin Owens segment, that was really good stuff. Uh, they set up their match for WrestleMania for the United States Championship again. I'm looking forward to the match. I'm not all that happy that they're facing each other for the belt. I'd rather just see those three guys face each other with no belt involved. It was going If there was going to be a belt involved, I'd rather see it be the Universal. than the U.S. title, that's just me. That's just me nitpicking. But it was a good segment. Owens and Jericho had their little brawl. And then Samoa Joe came into the mix. Um, to get involved, Sami Zayn tried to help out Jericho. Set up two matches for the night. A freaking another Owen Zayn match. Oh, that's great. But seeing, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you, Ryan. Seeing that Joe came out to help Kevin Owens, people were confused. Like, why is Joe out here? Why is he getting involved? And they just thought that he was getting involved to set up a match with Jericho. No, 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 no. There's something big going on here, people. If you follow our Instagram page at Royal Ramble Wrestling, I posted a. Um, a little, you know, ramble uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, about uh, rumors going around that there's going to be a new faction that's going to be taking place on Raw, uh, I think, after WrestleMania. Uh, it's supposed to be another authority-themed faction. Triple H and Stephanie are going to be leading the faction, and the group of talent that is rumored to be involved are Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and surprisingly, but I'm really happy about this, and that's Pete Dunne, the Bruiserweight, who was, of course, a part of the UK tournament back in January and is one of the best young wrestlers in the world today, he's also expected to get the call up and be part of this faction. And I think seeing Joe's involvement in this little feud, this little brawl, helping out Kevin Owens, was a little bit of a teaser that that faction, that rumored faction, could actually happen. And I've said it on the Instagram page, man. I'm all for it, man. This is awesome. It, yeah, it's another authority-themed faction who wants to see that, but I like the group of talent that is going to be in this faction. This is not Kane. This is not J&J Security Authority. This is a faction that has legitimate great talent and great heels. You know, Kevin Owens, maybe the best heel right now on Raw and one of the best heels in wrestling, period. Samoa Joe is a tremendous heel. Pete Dunne, when you watch his work on the British wrestling scene and you saw what he did at the UK tournament, this guy's a great heel. And people are saying, well, this is too early for Pete Dunne. He's not ready, blah, blah, blah. I maybe get it. You want to see Pete Dunne grow as a character in uh, NXT. But I personally think, Ryan, that he's ready. He's got a character lockdown. He's got a ton of charisma. I mean, look, you saw the man go stare face-to-face with guys like Triple H and William Regal at the UK tournament. If he can look Triple H and William Regal face-to-face and just just be a badass about it, I think this kid's ready. And I think Triple H sees something in him. I see something in him. I think this kid's one of the most underrated talents in the world. He doesn't get a lot of credit as being one of the elite workers in the world. I think this kid has a bright future. So I have no problem with him being called up on Raw and being a part of this faction. Because at least he has something to do. It's not like Pete Dunne's getting called up and is doing nothing like he's a part of the Cruiserweight division. No. He's actually going to be involved in something big. He's going to be involved in a big storyline. And that's great. And I definitely think with his talents that he's going to be a major asset 
to this group and that he's going to build off of this group and be a superstar in the future. So I'm looking forward to it, but that's a conversation safe for later. We're not sure if it's going to happen. But watching that segment, Ryan, and seeing Samoa Joe get involved and help Kevin Owens, I think that was more about being – I think that was more of a teaser of the group actually happening than Joe just coming out to set up his Jericho match on Raw. So if that does happen to Ryan, that is going to be must-watch television. Oh, yeah, for sure. That definitely does happen. I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much because, you know, this, you know, this is what happens nowadays. We read all these rumors and stuff, and we get excited about it. And then if it doesn't happen, then we get disappointed, and we get pissed, and we get upset and mad. And, uh, you know, I think that's the biggest problem nowadays is, like, the social media is just taking over. We hear so many different rumors, different scenarios, different things that could possibly happen. And then when Vince McMahon changes his mind, uh, you know, we all go ape shit. So, uh, again, you know, if it happens, that would be absolutely amazing. Trying not to get my hopes up for it yet. But, I mean, that would be some faction. I mean, that would just be unbelievable. And especially, like you said, if you add Pete Dunne to the mix, I mean, wow, forget about it. It would just make a ton of sense, too, if you add him. Uh, considering what he did at the UK tourney and how Triple H is high on him. And he's just, you know, he needs a spot here. I mean, you know, let's face it. What are they doing with these UK guys? Again, seeing them on, on NXT is cool. But again, what's the long-term plan for these guys? And I think if you bring Pete Dunne in right away, this is a guy that, again, didn't really need the UK title. I mean, that's probably a reason why they didn't give it to him and they gave it to Tyler Bate instead. He doesn't need it. If you bring him to the main roster, he could immediately get into a, a big-time feud on the main roster and just be on the WWE roster. I mean, this guy deserves it. He is probably the best UK talent that I've seen. Uh, you know, again, he just has it all. I mean, we can go on and on about this guy. He just has everything, uh, you know, what it takes. And it would just be very, very something special. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if this happens, that would be awesome. I do hope eventually, like, you know, you know, it can go on for about a year or so in this faction together. But I do hope when it breaks up or whatever, we do get a Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens feud or something along the lines of that. Because I think that would be pretty cool, too. But for right now, all, all those guys together with the authority as, you know, Triple H's authority figures, I think that would be absolutely perfect. Uh, you know, again, we'll see if, if it happens. But, uh, you know, can't help but get excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, in terms of what happened on Raw a little bit after, uh, one of the bright spots on the show was, without question, the Cruiserweight segment between Neville and Austin Aries. Now, before we get into that, let's talk about the match that he had with Rich Swan. The belt was on the line. Swan and Neville had an incredible match. Neville won the match with the Rings of Saturn. No shocker there. After the match was over, you know, here comes Austin Aries to come down to the ring to interview Neville, basically asking him, is there anybody left on the roster that can challenge you to a match? And Neville's like, no, I'm the king of the cruiserweights. There's nobody on my level. And I thought the fans played a great part in it because they were basically chanting Austin Aries, Austin Aries. And Aries fed off of them the right way saying, well, are you sure, Neville? I think the fans disagree with you. It was just so perfect. And when Neville got in the face of Austin Aries, that's when I said, we're going to see something big happen right now. Aries takes the glasses off. Boom, hits Neville in the face, knocks him out of the ring, and Austin Aries just proclaimed himself that he's back in ring action, and he's going after the Cruiserweight Championship. That was an awesome segment. That was my favorite segment on the entire show, because number one, Austin Aries is back. That's great. He, he's been out of action since, um, I believe, this November, December, because of the eye socket injury that he suffered from Nakamura. Uh, he did a great job, of course, on the commentating team for 205 Live. But let's be honest, he's not a he's not a commentator. He's a wrestler, and with him staying healthy, this guy could still go out there, put on great matches. And even though part of me th thinks that he could do so much more, 
than just be a cruiserweight. He's so damn talented that I want to see him work with guys like Sami Zayn, work with Kevin Owens, work with the Samoa Joes because he's that damn good. But 205 Live needs it. You know, it's been an okay show, but they need more credible talent on that show. It's basically Neville and a bunch of other guys. You know, no, don't get me wrong. Guys like Rich Swan, Tony Nese, Drew, uh, Drew Gulak, TJ Perkins, Jack Gallagher, they're all great talents, but they're not as big as a Neville. And he needs a guy that is just as big as him in Austin Aries is absolutely that. He's one of the biggest stars, I think, in all of wrestling personally. I think he's that tr- he's that damn good of a talent. Not only can the guy wrestle, but the guy cuts a promo better than anybody that I've seen. And in, in, in all my years of watching wrestling, I think Austin Aries is one of the best promo workers I've ever seen. And to see him back in action and being a part of this cruiserweight division is going to greatly help 205 Live. Hell, Ryan, for the first time in a long time, I actually watched 205 Live this past Tuesday because I wanted to see what Austin Aries was going to do next. You know, That's how much I'm invested in Austin Aries. He's that damn talented. And I'm looking forward. At WrestleMania, to seeing an Austin Aries Neville match, but I got one question, Ryan. What does that mean for the rest of the cruiserweights? Because yes, don't get me wrong, Aries versus Neville should be an awesome match. It's a big match for the cruiserweight division. But what does that mean for the rest of the talent? What does that mean for Rich Swan? What does that mean for T.J. Perkins? What does that mean for Jack Gallagher? For Tony Nese? For Drew Gulak? For Mustafa Ali? For Kendrick? For Tazawa? There's a lot of talented guys on that roster that also deserve the opportunity to fight for that championship. I'm still one of those guys that says, you know, I want to see these guys in a, in a ladder match. Because every single year we always see that ladder match go down where a mid-card belt's on the line and we have seven, eight guys going for it. And I thought this year it would have been the perfect opportunity to put the cruiserweights in that match because there's basically seven to eight legitimate cruiserweights that are legitimate contenders for that belt. We're not going to get that, though. We're going to get Neville versus Aries, which I'm perfectly fine with. I'm not saying that I don't want to happen. I would love to see it. It's going to be awesome. But what does that mean for the other Cruiserweights? It might not be fair to them. It's just a bad situation to be in. But anyways, man, that Aries-Neville segment was awesome. And to me, out of all the big highlights that took place on Raw, to me, that was my personal favorite. Seeing Aries finally get in the face of Neville punching him in the freaking face, and proclaiming himself as the next guy to go after Neville's Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah, this was awesome, and, and one of the best things about Raw this past week. And, uh, you know, I, I knew this was going to come sooner or later. I mean, how genius was it to put Austin Aries on the commentating table while he was injured to do commentary for the, these Cruiserweight matches? That was genius because it kept him on television. It got the audience, who, again, really isn't familiar with most of the Cruiserweights. That's why they get no reaction. But now I think a lot of fans are, are you know, invested in Austin Aries. They know him pretty well because they hear his voice every single time a Cruiserweight match happens on Raw, and there's usually more than one. You know, we've seen video packages from this guy. He he presents himself. You see him sitting there with, with Michael Cole and, you know, uh, Corey Graves all the time. It, it, you, you see him there, so you're familiar with him. I think that was absolutely genius because, obviously, this is the big money matchup right here in the Cruiserweight division, Austin Aries and Neville for this belt. I mean, this is the big money matchup, and I'm glad this is happening at WrestleMania. No better spot for it. I'm hyped for it. I mean, after one segment on Raw, I was instantly hyped for it. And it was so great to see Austin Aries in a big-time spot like that. It was great to see the crowd was into it, too. You know, of course, they're in Chicago, so it's going to be a good crowd regardless. But the way they were chanting his name, that was a really, really good sign. I think this could be really something special, and I'm so pumped for it. 
I'm with you, Brian. I watched 205 Live as well. I, I, I specifically wanted to see what went down, and this is the first time I watched it in God knows how long, and it was all because of Austin Aries. Uh, so I think this is going to be absolutely awesome. I can't wait for this feud. Uh, you know, maybe your areas will win the belt. Maybe he won't. But if not, you know, again, I'm so happy we're getting this feud going to WrestleMania. To answer your question about what do the other cruiserweights do, to be honest, I think you give them a number one contender's ladder match at Mania, and you put it on the pre-show, and I think that's where you go with it. And the next guy, the guy who wins it, maybe he's not immediately the next number one contender, but maybe it's sort of like a money in the bank type thing. Maybe, you know, he gets a contract where he could cash it in anytime, any place that he wants, and he's the next contender. I think that's what you do with them, because you can't just leave all these guys off the show. I mean, you, you got to think realistically that they have to have a spot on this show, and I highly doubt they throw all these guys into the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. I feel like a ladder match for a number one contendership would be perfect. And again, you could throw it on the pre-show if you have a lot of junk that you want to put on the main uh, main show, which again, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they put some stupid musical performance by Flo Rida or something. You know, you know how obsessed they are with that kind of stuff mm -hmm. when it comes to the main show of WrestleMania, so I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. Just throw them on the pre-show then. The pre-show is two freaking hours long. It's from five to seven. <laughs> Give us a, a cruiserweight ladder match. I think that'd be perfect. So, I mean, that's what I would do if I was booking this stuff. But, hey, I'm not, so my opinion really doesn't matter. So, I don't know what they do if they don't, you know, go uh, somewhere in that route. But what do you think about that, Brian? A number one contender's cruise, uh, cruiserweight ladder match for, again, the next next guy up. Again, he doesn't need to be the immediate next guy up. But it could be a money in the bank type thing where he cashes in, uh, you know, somewhere down the line, whoever's the champion if they need a new feud for the cruiserweight division. Uh, I love it. I uh, I think that's a great idea. Um, it makes sense because it gives these guys an opportunity to, number one, be a part of the WrestleMania show. Because like you said, Ron, you can't keep them off the show. Uh, and you can't put them in the Andre the Giant Battle Royale. That's just a stupid idea. And number two, like you say, you know, they're 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 facing each other for something. It's not just a wasted match. They're fighting, they're fighting each other for an opportunity to to be the next number one contender for the Cruiserweight belt. So I like that idea. Will they go with it? I highly doubt it. I personally think they're going to get involved in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal because you know it's a big deal to Vince McMahon to have all these talent in this match. It's a big deal to for Andre the Giant, and we all know it means absolutely shit. It does mean shit. I don't care what anyone says. That match is an absolute waste of time. But uh, no, I like it, and I think if you're Vince McMahon, that's the way you should go. Because again, you know, it's not fair to these other cruiserweights that they're not going to get this opportunity to fight for the belt at WrestleMania, but. You know, why don't you salt in the wound a little bit and say, hey, you may not be in the title match, but I'm going to put you guys in a match where you can earn your opportunity to fight for the championship somewhere down the line like a money in the bank. So I like the idea on the pre-show is perfect because like you said, Ryan, it's a two-hour pre-show. You could put a lot of matches on that show. You could put almost <laughs> – like I said, you could put like five, six matches within those two hours, you know, minus the stupid concerts that they have on the show. But I like that idea. But again, with WWE, you just never know. Uh, as for some of the other stuff that took place on the show, um, Goldberg and Brock Lesnar gave absolutely no crap about it. I know Brock Lesnar, F5 Goldberg, holy crappy F5 Goldberg. I don't give a shit. All right, that's just me. I'm not interested in this Goldberg-Brock Lesnar match. I don't care what they do to each other. I don't care if they have this epic brawl that they go all around the arena and they fight each other outside. I don't care about it because I know that it's just a stupid, stupid decision to give the main event spotlight to two part-timers. Even though, yes, we talked about it before, in terms of business-wise, it makes sense because both these guys draw a ton of money in viewership. 
But again, for me, the diehard wrestling fan that wants to see full-timers rewarded with their hard work because they're, 300, they're there 300 days a year and to see that their spots are taken away from Goldberg and Brock Lesnar, I don't care what they do to each other. I'm not interested in this match. I'm just not. So I don't care what happens from now to WrestleMania, what they do to each other. I'm not interested. I'm never going to be interested because I know it was not fair for full-timers that they had to be behind Goldberg and Brock Lesnar at the WrestleMania card. And then the main event we got between Braun and Roman Reigns, they were about to brawl each other to finish what they started at Fastlane. And then here comes the dung. And the lights go out. Here comes the Undertaker. Comes into the ring, stares at Braun, and Braun leaps. And I'm like, what is this? You know, Why is Braun leaving uh, the ring for the Undertaker? Was he playing mind games with the Undertaker? Or was he a coward to the Undertaker? Which I highly doubt, but you don't know. We didn't get an answer about that. Here comes Roman Reigns. He gets in the face of the Undertaker, saying that this is my yard now. Boom, Taker chokeslams him. Show ends. Again, you know, I'm not all that hyped up for this Taker-Roman match. I It should be a good match. It really should. I am concerned, though, about Taker's health going into this match. Because, yes, he is coming off hip surgery. And what what was that? A couple of, uh, about a month ago or maybe two months ago that he had hip surgery. Now he's coming back to face a physical force in Roman Reigns. I'm not sure how that's going to work out because I do believe Roman has to take uh, – he's, ha- he's going to have to carry the match because I don't think Undertaker is going to be 100% for this match. But uh, again, you know, it was a solid segment. But my question is, Ryan, is what's Braun Strowman going to do? Is he going to be involved in this match, which I highly doubt? Or is he going to be stuck in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal? I'm expecting that to be the case. But – that whole little segment with Braun and Taker staring at each other and Braun just leaving the ring looked like he was chicking away, uh, being a chicken about it and leaving. Doesn't make sense to me, you know, because again, you know, you're trying to build up Braun Strowman as this guy that doesn't matter what's in front of him, that he's going to destroy it and that he's just, just dominant force and to see him leave the ring uh, and chicken away from The Undertaker. I'm not sure what that means. I'm not sure what that entails. Hopefully. That means we could get Braun Strowman involved in this match. Will it hurt the match? Maybe. But that that segment was a little bit odd to me. But we did finally see Taker and Roman get, stare at each other. Taker got the best of Roman for now until Roman gets his, uh, his moment over Taker before WrestleMania. But again, overall, the Raw show was very solid. We, of course, got the announcement that Sasha Banks, you know, he, she's going to be in the match. She earned her way beating Bayley. What does that mean for Nia Jax? It's another question mark. What is Nia Jax going to do? Because we've heard her name brought up as a possible, an- another possible name that could be involved in this match. Will she be involved? We didn't see her on Raw um, this week, or did we? I think I'm not sure if we saw her on Raw. I forgot. I gotta look back. And no, watch. I don't think so. I don't think we saw her. But what does that mean for her? Is she gonna be involved in the match, or do they have something else for her? Because Again, just like the Cruiserweights, you can't leave Nia Jax off the show. What is she going to do? I think she's going to get involved in the match somehow. Maybe next week that she puts her name in the match. She might have to earn it. Maybe she beats Sasha or Bailey, whoever the hell knows. But I still think there's a good chance that she's in the match. But if she's not in the match, what does that mean for Nia Jax? I'm not so sure. But overall, after a disastrous Fastlane pay-per-view, I thought Raw rebounded with a very nice, solid show. Yeah, no, I thought this was probably the best role we've seen in quite some time. I mean, uh, wow, everything, every single segment had something to do with the storylines going into WrestleMania. Uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I mean, like you said, with Brock, uh, F5, Ivan Goldberg, it really doesn't do anything to me either because I'm not interested in it whatsoever. Uh, you can tell me that 
by Brock doing that. We're supposed to believe now that Brock is this unstoppable force again, and he's going to beat Goldberg for this belt. I mean, he probably will, and the only reason I believe that is because I don't see Goldberg sticking around after Mania. It's not because Brock f fived him, and now uh, I'm invested. I'm like, oh, wow, you know, Brock's coming back. No, it, it just it did nothing for me. So, yeah, I mean, that was just, again, I wouldn't really say pointless segment because it's what they have to do to build towards their match, but it's not a segment that really uh, excited me whatsoever. As for the old ending segment with Undertaker and Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman, that did excite me. Now, everybody could be, you know, down on this match. Of course, everybody is going to be so ignorant because of their hatred for Roman Reigns. Nobody's going to give anything that this guy's involved in a chance, and it's a shame. I, for one, am all for this match. I'm all for Undertaker, Roman Reigns. Roman's not going into Mania as champion. He's not leaving WrestleMania as champion. He's not in the championship match. So what's the problem here? What, he's facing The Undertaker? Who else besides John Cena would would face The Undertaker if Roman Reigns would? I don't want to see Brock Lesnar Undertaker again. I don't want to see Shane Undertaker again because that wasn't even that good. I don't want to see Goldberg Undertaker. Who else would Undertaker face? I think Roman Reigns is going to give Undertaker one of his best matches since CM Punk at WrestleMania 29. That's my opinion because WrestleMania 30, him his match with Brock was god awful. 31, his match with Bray Wyatt, that's forgettable. I mean, it really was. It wasn't. A terrible match, but nobody remembers that because it just—it was so irrelevant. It was Undertaker's comeback, and you know it, he just basically squashed Bray Wyatt, and that was it. Nobody really talked about it. Going into you know the next WrestleMania, Shane McMahon. I mean, again, Roman Reigns is a good opponent for Taker, and especially with Taker's health declining, like you said, who knows how long of a match this guy could put on now? We've heard you know rumors about his hip going out, how this could possibly be his last Mania. Roman Reigns is a guy that could carry Undertaker in this match. If anybody could carry The Undertaker, I think it's definitely Roman Reigns. I think he's capable of it, and obviously Vince and the higher-ups, they all trust in Roman Reigns to carry this match if Taker can't go. So I'm invested in it. I really am. I'm intrigued. Uh, I, I don't think that Roman winning is a guarantee. I don't know how they booked this match. I don't know who walks out the victor. I still need to see more of the story before I really make that prediction. But again, I'm, I'm intrigued. I think this could be a really, really good matchup. That is exactly why I don't want Braun Strowman involved in this. I don't want to see no triple threat match. What in the hell would be the point of a triple threat? It's not for no title. It wouldn't mean anything. It would be stupid to add Braun Strowman to that. They they already they already ruined him for WrestleMania. They already did. They didn't give him a good feud. They ruined Braun Strowman. Have him win the Battle Royal and have the next night on Raw be his big moment. That's what I would do with him. Do not put him in this match with Roman and Taker. Leave those two alone and have, let them have their one-on-one -on -one match. I'm more invested in that than I would be in a triple threat. So as for that last segment on Raw, I absolutely loved it. And I, I really can't wait to see more because I, for one, am all for this Reigns-Taker match at WrestleMania. All right, moving on from Raw to SmackDown. And for the first time in a long time, SmackDown was not the better show this week. It was Raw because SmackDown this week, to me, just wasn't that good. Some people disagree with me. They thought SmackDown was really good. I didn't see it because, Ryan, nothing stood out to me on the show. I mean, you know, we had, of course, the big main event match between AJ Styles and Randy Orton. It was a good match. It wasn't a great match. People said, oh, my God, this was an awesome match. Don't go too far, people. It was a good match for what it was. You know, there were some nice moments in that match between AJ and Randy. I mean, I love the part when AJ was going to hit the phenomenal form. Randy was going to go for the RKO, and basically AJ stopped himself. Randy looked like a fool there, but still Randy hit the RKO from out of nowhere. Uh, in terms of that segment, again, it was a, it was a good match, uh, but again, 
it, it's still an absolute shame that AJ Styles is in a bad position for WrestleMania. I don't want to hear from people that Shane McMahon versus AJ Styles has a chance to be a good match. I believe it does have a chance to be a good match. But what infuriates me so much, Ryan, is that this the AJ Styles, plain and simple, is coming off, without a doubt, one of the greatest, if not the greatest first years in the history of the WWE. We don't see rookies like this impact have this some sort of that have this impact on the main roster right away. It takes time. AJ Styles came into the WWE, instantly understood it, and he dominated WWE this past year. You would think, after the great year that this man had, that he was going to have a great opponent to wrestle at WrestleMania. Shane McMahon is not a great opponent. I don't care that his name is Shane McMahon. I don't care that this guy is one of the ultimate risk takers in the history of the company. I don't care. Shane McMahon is not a wrestler. He's just not. His best matches, Ryan, are, are hardcore matches. The only way this match has any chance of being good, Ryan, is if it's a hardcore match. If it's a hardcore match, then yeah, AJ versus Shane should be awesome because Shane knows how to wrestle a hardcore match. He lives off of it. The best matches that Shane McMahon's ever put together when he has wrestled are hardcore matches. Normal single matches? I'm sorry. You can see that Shane McMahon is not a wrestler. Now, yes, I think AJ will do his part to make Shane look good because that's who AJ is. That's what makes him phenomenal. The guy carries matches. But still, Ryan, it's infuriating. It's terrible to see that at WrestleMania, coming off the year that he had, that this is the opponent for AJ Styles. It's sad that he's facing a non-wrestler at WrestleMania. For what reason? I don't know what the reason is. Because they have this storyline where AJ thinks it's you know, that the authority, that the management's against him, blah, 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 this and that. Now, yes, that little confrontation they had behind the scenes with Road Dogg and you know, Michael Hayes getting involved, that was pretty cool. I like that. But still, when you think about it and you see the year that AJ Styles had, Ryan, the man deserves a better opponent than Shane McMahon. You couldn't find anybody else for AJ Styles to work with hell. If Shane McMahon announced next week, I'm not going to wrestle you, AJ, but this man will, and Shinsuke Nakamura comes out, I'll, love, I'll freaking love it. Even though, yeah, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura is wrestling for the NXT Championship probably at the next TakeOver event, why not have Shinsuke do double duty? You know, I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm fine with a real wrestler facing AJ Styles. Hell, call Kurt Angle back. I want to see Kurt versus AJ instead of AJ versus Shane because I know those two would have a great match. I'm not so sure that Shane and AJ are going to have a great match. Even though, yes, AJ helps talent look great. He does because he's AJ Styles. But again, the only way I see this match working, Ryan, is if it's a hardcore match because that's where we see the best of Shane McMahon. When the weapons get involved, he can do the ultimate risk that he could take. He can do that in a hardcore match, but in a normal match, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to fare with AJ Styles. I really don't. So it's just me being frustrated because, again, I'm a big AJ Styles supporter. Have been for over a decade. I've been watching this guy since he started in TNA. He's still in this day and age at the age of 39, going on 40. He's still the best wrestler in the world. I don't care what anybody says. No one is better than AJ Styles. And he's coming off one of the greatest first years in the history of the WWE. And this is his opponent for WrestleMania? Give me a freaking break. Really? 
out of all the possible opponents for AJ Styles at the biggest show of the year, you pick Shane McMahon? Hell, give me Daniel Bryan instead. He's going up against management. Daniel Bryan makes the most sense because Daniel Bryan is an actual wrestler. So, again, you know, it was a good match. Randy winning was no shock. But, again, when you when you sit back and you look at it, it still has to be infuriating to see that AJ Styles at one point was at the top of SmackDown, at the top of WWE, and going to WrestleMania, he is stuck in a mid-card match with Shane McMahon. It's just infuriating to me. Yeah, no, it definitely is. But, I mean, you know, again, <laughs> well, what I, revert back to what I said before. This is a business. This is all what it is. I mean, it's all about marketing. It's all about money. It's, you know, when they see Shane McMahon in a big match like that, I mean, it's it's money. That's what it is. I mean, it's, I mean, again, when do we see Shane wrestle? WrestleMania. I mean, do we ever, we ever see him wrestle any other time? I mean, yeah, okay, we can say that we saw him at Survivor Series. But, again, you know, he just wrestles at events like this. And there's no way he wasn't going to wrestle this year. And it just so happens that, you know, AJ Styles makes the most sense in terms of who, who Shane could wrestle. It just doesn't make sense on AJ Styles' part. But, of course, nobody's going to like it. I don't like it. You don't like it. I mean, uh, they had to be aware that nobody was going to like this match. I mean, really. But we're getting it. Like it or not, we can only complain so much. We'll see what happens. We'll see if Shane can, you know, find a way to put on a good match with AJ. We'll see if he could do any crazy stunts. I mean, again, I don't I don't think it's going to be a gimmick match. I really don't. I really don't think it makes sense to put it in a, a hardcore match or a steel cage or anything like that. So I don't think he's going to jump off of anything massive. But who knows? With Shane, he's an animal. He's nuts. He does anything that he freaking wants. I mean, to put on a good match, he'll do anything. We've seen it time and time again. So who knows? I mean, again, it's tough to really... Again, we could sit here and criticize this all we want. We're still getting it either way. So, I mean, again... I think we should just let the storyline play out because, like you just mentioned, that backstage uh, stuff where Road Dog had to get involved with it. Uh, you know, again, that was cool stuff. That was intense. There was heated argument. We'll see how the story plays out, and then we'll really judge. And you know what? We'll see how the match at WrestleMania turns out. I think a positive that you could take out of this is that AJ Styles is getting a win at WrestleMania. I mean, he is. You're going to tell me that he's not going to win this match? That is That would enrage me even more than uh, him facing Shane in the first place if AJ doesn't come out winning this match. So there is no way he doesn't. I think that's a positive right there because we're going to get an AJ Styles win over a McMahon at Mania. I, I look at it that way, and that kind of makes me feel a little bit better about this match. But overall, I mean, again, it's just it's going to be tough to see. We all know that. Of course he deserves better, but he's, just, he's stuck in a bad situation right now. He really is. I mean, who else is he going to face? Nakamura makes no sense. So again, it just it just so happens that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. When losing the title at Royal Rumble, it just didn't do him any favors either. So this is what we're getting. We can only complain so much, but it's not going to change the fact that this is the match that's going down, and we just have to wait and see how it plays out. And, and the rest of the show, Ryan, was uneventful. After that, you know, I mean, because all focus was on the main event, but nothing else special happened. I mean. Uh, the John Cena, Nikki Bella, Carmella, Ellsworth match was so stupid. Yeah, it was supposed to be entertaining to see Ellsworth try to avoid John Cena, but to me, it was stupid. Uh, did not laugh one bit about it. Um, after the match, though, it was pretty cool to see Maurice and Miz get involved, and Miz cut another great promo. And then after that promo, he went on Talking Smack and cut another great promo. I've said it a number of times, man. The Miz, I don't get why. I, I get why people don't like this guy because he's cocky. But my goodness, man, you have to respect this man. He may not be the greatest wrestler, but when it comes to cutting promos, 
is there anybody, anybody, right now in the WWE that can cut a better promo than The Miz? The only guy I can think of is John Cena and probably Chris Jericho and Paul Heyman. The Miz's promo skills are on just such another level. I mean, go back and watch that Talking Smack promo. It is gold. It, it, it might, yeah, his, his Talking Smack promo he had with Dale Bryan that was really the promo of the year last year stood out. But this one, with like no, not a lot of emotion, he just went on just saying his little thing and ripping John Cena apart. That might have been his best promo on Talking Smack. It was that damn good. But, you know, again, that little Cena, Bella, you know, Ellsworth, Carmella stuff was just not – I just was not a fan of it. It really wasn't. The Corbin Dean Ambrose stuff, I mean, I mean, I think they got to do a better job with this buildup. I mean, constantly seeing Dean and Baron talk back and forth at each other. I want to see more physicality. I want to see these two guys brawl around the building. It's been more about Baron Corbin getting the best of Dean Ambrose for the past couple of weeks, which is okay because you want to build up Baron Corbin. But Dean Ambrose has to somehow – Get back at Baron Corbin. We want to see back and forth build up and storytelling in this feud. I don't want to see any talking from these guys. Let these guys battle it out. Let them go after each other week by week, brawl each other, and then lean into a good match at WrestleMania. That's just me. Uh, the women's segment were okay, I guess. I mean, we got the announcement that it's going to be a multiple women's match for the SmackDown Women's title. That's going to evolve Mickey James. It's going to evolve Becky Lynch. It's going to evolve Natalia. And some other talents. Carmella's going to get involved. Uh, we've hearing rumors that Naomi could get involved if she's back from recovery. She's right now doing good work right now with her recovery, but she's still not uh, locked in for WrestleMania. And also, we've heard rumors that we could possibly see a surprise in the match. We've heard Kelly Kelly's name. We've heard Victoria's name. Uh, Kelly Kelly actually did sign a three-year deal with the WWE, so she's going to be back some point. WrestleMania, possibly, who knows? Victoria, we also heard her name in the rumors. So that's going to go down. Uh, seeing Mickey James turn on Alexa Bliss is pretty cool to see. I think that's better off now. Look, I mean, yes, the, the, the little duo that Bliss and James were was fun and all, but Mickey James is just such a big star that she doesn't need to be stuck in a duo with Alexa Bliss. They're both big stars. They're better off on their own. And I like to see Mickey James get involved. She attacked Alexa Bliss after. That was good to see. Was that a face turn? I'm not so sure. I, think she, I just think that was a statement from James saying that, look, you know, I'm not your friend anymore. I'm now an enemy. I'm an opponent for your championship. So that was okay, I guess, but nothing really special. And what I also thought hurt the show, Ryan, was that we didn't see a lot of big names on it. There was no Bray Wyatt, which shocked me. There was no Luke Harper. And they did absolutely nothing, Ryan, with the tag team division. I mean, two weeks in a row, they had good stuff between the Usos and the American Alpha. And then this week, there was nothing. No mention, no sight from the Usos and American Alpha. That's bad. You want to build this match up. You need these two teams on the show. You can't have them off the show. If you want to make this tag team match pretty big, you got to have these guys on the show. you got to build this up. And they just didn't do that. So with those factors playing in and everything except for – and other than the main event match, everything was just uneventful for me. And that's why this past week, SmackDown was not the better show than Raw. Raw completely defeated SmackDown in a big way. And, that was, and the big reason why is – Nothing really stood out to me, and a lot of big names that are on the show weekly were not on the show this past Tuesday. All the focus was on Randy versus AJ, which was okay. The match was good, not great. The decision was expected, but after that, nothing else really stood out to me, and that's why this week, SmackDown was not the better show Raw was. 
Yeah, and there's something you don't see every day. That's a huge shock. But, I mean, you're right. I agree with you 100%. Uh, you know, it wasn't a, a terrible SmackDown. I mean, I've definitely seen worse shows. But, yeah, definitely not the uh, most eventful episode you want to see from them. Uh, you know, again, no surprise. And to see Randy Orton get the win over AJ Styles, it was cool to see them lock up in the ring finally. It's about time. I've been waiting for that match to happen for a long, long time. Uh, I'm just kind of upset that it was a blow-off match. I hope we get some feud between these two guys somewhere down the line. I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, the match was okay. Uh, you know, again, expected to finish. Uh, you know, again, we're back to square one. It, it seems like we took a little detour, and now we finally got back to where we started with Randy Orton being the number one contender. But again, I understand because... Raw just had their last pay-per-view this past Sunday. SmackDown had theirs back in February. SmackDown had a lot more time that they had to buy. You know, again, they had to, like, drag out this storyline for weeks and weeks because, again, they, they had more time to build towards Mania than Raw did. Raw just starts now. SmackDown's been doing this for week after week, so I understand why they had to do what they did. And then, of course, it sets up AJ Styles, Shane McMahon. So it, it makes sense, but glad we're back to square one, especially after Randy burned down the Wyatt compound. I want to see Orton Wyatt for this belt now. That definitely got me intrigued, so I'm all for it. Um, the women's stuff was, was okay. I mean, again... The constant bickering that goes on between the women of SmackDown is just, it's its terrible. I mean, you know, you had Alexa Bliss out there with Mickey James, and you had Becky Lynch come out, and you had Natalia coming out. I mean, and then just bickering at each other, and they literally don't get anywhere half the time. They literally, it drags out so much, it's to the point where you're waiting for Daniel Bryan to come out. Like, it, it's, it's, it's bad. It was just, it was a mess of a segment, I thought. But once Daniel Bryan came out and announced what, you know, Alexa Bliss was going to do at Mania, it got okay, and then, of course, turned into the tag match between the, you know, um, Bliss and Mickey and Natalia and Becky. So, again, you know, it, it made sense. Uh, you know, again, I like that Alexa Bliss is defending her belt at WrestleMania. I'm really, really happy about that. There's no stupid tag match or no stupid stupid thing we've seen in the past with these women. I'm glad she's defending her belt, and I like it that it's against everybody and anybody. And I think, like you said, this is where Kelly Kelly will probably fit into this mix. I heard Victoria possibly coming back. I mean, I heard they contacted a lot of former names to come back, and I think this is their spot where, where they're going to uh, you know, be used. So I like it a lot. So, again, like you said, again, another uneventful SmackDown. But, uh, you know, again, the American Alpha Uso stuff, too, is very disappointing. I don't know where they're going with that. We haven't seen that in weeks. I think that was three weeks ago or two weeks ago that we saw that um, brilliant promo by the Usos. And we really haven't seen any follow-up since. So I don't really know what they're doing on that. Uh, maybe it'll continue next week. Who the hell knows? But definitely not seeing them for, for two weeks is definitely going to hurt. And it's definitely not a, a, a thrilling sight to see. So, yeah, definitely not a good SmackDown this week at all. And then we move on to NXT. And uh, it was a pretty solid episode of NXT last night. A lot went down. Uh, of course, Shinsuke Nakamura made his return to the ring after, you know, out weeks because of the uh, the injury that he suffered at TakeOver San Antonio. I still think there was a work. It wasn't a real injury. Um, but he came back last night, wrestled TJ Perkins, a longtime good friend of his. Uh, they were both uh, um, in the same class when they were training together to become wrestlers. And it was a good match last night. And uh, my friend said it best. You know, I think TJ Perkins is better off in NXT. He's, he's way over in NXT. He's actually, you know, you know, Taking, he's taken a, a big role in the matches he's been a part of in NXT. He's been part of the uh, the Dusty Rose Tag Team Classic. He's now wrestled Nakamura. He's had some other big matches. Uh, we're not going to see that, but TJ Perkins, I think, with his talent, he could benefit from NXT. But all the Cruiserweights can benefit. Rich Swan is over in NXT. He's better off there. Uh, Drew Gulak and Tony Nese are better off there. But 
it's not going to happen. But uh, it was a good match with Nakamura. And, of course, now he will be facing the winner of the Bobby Roode Cassius Ono match uh, for, for the title at TakeOver Orlando. Of course, Ono versus Roode happens next week. Um, Ember Moon took on Billy Kay. Okay match. Moon got the win. No shocker there. But the big thing happened after the match was that Kay – and we've heard – when we read the spoilers that this was no shock that Kay – uh, suffered an injury after the match was over. She didn't get up until maybe five minutes later. She struggled to the back, holding her neck. Uh, I was quite surprised that they aired it because that's something they don't do on television weekly. They, they don't air when these injuries happen, when these real injuries happen, when the refs throw up the X. They don't air this type of stuff. They keep it off uh, television. But I was actually surprised that this was aired. Uh, did not expect that, but good news to hear that Billy Kay said that she is okay. She should be back soon. And again, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Billy Kay, but you never ever want to see talent hurt. Doesn't matter who it is. You want to see talent, you know, protect themselves and stay healthy for a long time. You don't want to see any of them in serious uh, health concerns. So that's good to hear from Billy Kay that she's fine and she'll be back on television pretty soon. Uh, but that was an okay match. Uh, the sanity stuff with with Ty Dillinger attacking Roderick Strong. It's just the seeds are being planted for that big eight-man person match, that eight-person tag team match that is rumored for Takeover Orlando. We've heard the rumors it's going to be Sanity versus uh, Ty Dillinger, Roger Strong, No Way Jose, and a partner of their choosing. And if you listen to our show last week, you know who that person is. You'll find out who she is in two weeks from now when she finally makes her debut. I think so. Uh, that was okay, I guess. And but the big thing, Ryan, that took place on this week's show. We got to see our first vignette of Tommy End, who now who will now go under the name as Alister Black, had his first vignette, which means that pretty soon we're going to see him on NXT television. If I had to guess, probably after Takeover Orlando on the first TV tapings, he'll make his debut. Personally, Ryan, if if I'm NXT. Cassius Ono needs an opponent for TakeOver Orlando. Why not give him Tommy in, a guy that he knows extremely well? That would be an awesome match, but I don't think they would waste that match. I think they would save that for a bigger moment, a bigger match setting. Uh, but yes, he is going to be making his debut pretty soon, and that's awesome because, again, for those who don't know who Tommy End is, who who to Black, if you don't know who he is, he is a tremendous, underrated talent. He made a name for himself all over the United Kingdom, whether it was in London, whether it was in Ireland, or where he came from in the Netherlands. And then he came into the States, wrestled in PWG, he wrestled in Evolve. This guy is a heck of a talent. All right, He is very, very talented. He's a mixed martial artist type character. He, he delivers some of the hardest kicks you will ever see. He has tremendous in-ring psychology. In terms of personality and charisma, I haven't seen enough of Tommy in that he is great at that, but looking at this vignette, I think they have a character in store for Tommy in, which is great to see because in WWE, you could be a great wrestler, but if you don't have a good character, you're not going to succeed. So hopefully they do find some sort of character for Tommy in because with his talent, he could be a big-time player on the NXT brand. He just needs the character in order to succeed. But that got me fired up, Ryan, because this is a guy that we've been waiting for for a long time. He was a part of the signings that they made over the summer when they brought in Roderick Strong. They brought in uh, Mary Dobbs, and they brought in Killian Dane. All those three have made their debuts except for Tommy End. They've been patient about this. And I think with them being patient about it, 
that shows you that Triple H sees big things in him because usually when you see wrestlers get the vignettes on weekly television, that shows you that they have big plans in store for the future. So that's positive to see, and I'm looking forward to seeing um more. I'm looking to see. I'm looking forward to seeing more vignettes from Tommy N. But yeah, man, overall NXT delivered a very solid show once again, and we're starting to get to see now what's going to happen to take over Orlando. Uh, the Moon Oscar match was officially announced. Uh, that pretty soon that triple threat tag team title match is going to be announced i think next week is when they make the announcement uh next week we'll, we'll find out who will face uh shinsuke nakamura for the nxt title at takeover lando highly likely bobby Roode, and also that eight person tag team match is also in the works so we're getting a good indication on what's going to happen to take over orlando so overall this past week nxt delivered yet again another solid show yeah, it was uh, it was very eventful, like you said, and uh, I just want to start off by talking about the A-lister Black vignette. I mean, yeah, you could tell that they definitely have big plans for this guy. I mean, they have to. There's got to be a reason why he has not debuted yet. And you know what? I mean, I wouldn't put it past, a, you know, going as far as making his debut at TakeOver Orlando. I mean, we have seen this before. We saw it at TakeOver Brooklyn two years in a row where two people made their debuts. Uh, the first year, it was Apollo Crews. This past summer, it was Ember Moon. Why can't his debut come in a big spot at TakeOver Orlando? I think that would be awesome. And I think, uh, especially in front of that crowd, there's no better way uh, you know, to debut than that. So I think that would be awesome. I hope it happens. Uh, if it doesn't, of course, it'll be post-TakeOver Orlando. But glad to finally see a vignette because I've been waiting for the arrival for this guy because he is just too damn good uh, to not be used. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what goes down. Uh, like you said, we're getting the build to take over Orlando. Ember Moon is, uh, you know, official to take on Oscar for the belt. That's good to see. Uh, you know, the tag match, obviously. We all knew this stuff by reading the spoilers. But the biggest thing of all where we were really conf confused uh, from the tapings is what the main event was going to be. And we got that. It's going to be Nakamura and Bobby Roode. I mean, it it's, it's going to happen. Uh, you know, again, if you didn't read the spoilers, my bad for spoiling it, but it should have been obvious already. Uh, you know, again, it's I just don't know why they're teasing us with Cassius Ono if they never planned to put him in this match in the first place. What he does now, I think that's the big question. What does he do? And, um, you know, again, I just talked about A-Lister Black making his debut. He could go up against Ono, but, you know, usually if the guy's debuting, you want to make a big impact. You want to have the guy win. You want to have the guy, you know, really showcased to see what he can do. And I don't think burying Cassius Ono would be a, a smart move on no. that part. No. So, uh, I don't know what, what he's going to do. I really don't. I hope he's featured. I don't see how he's not. Um, but, again, that's still up in the air. But, yeah, we got a good indication of what TakeOver is going to look like. Uh, I'm excited for it. I think it could be a good show. Could it be a better show? Of course it could. They could have always put together a better card. Um, but I think, you know, again, this is not surprising with some of these matches. And I think Ember Moon Asuka, that's one we've been waiting for for a while. And uh, the tag match should be really good. And the main event, the rematch between Rude and Nakamura, is something we should have expected. And, again, as for the other matches, well, that's up in the air. So we'll just see what happens in the next coming weeks. But overall, I thought NXT was pretty solid this week as well. And continuing with some NXT news, we found out that today uh, they made a big signing in terms of the women's division. Uh, Kyrie Hojo, she's a former stardom champion and one of the best Japanese female talents in the world, has reportedly signed a three-year developmental contract with the WWE, so she'll likely be in NXT. Not sure when, but she is going to be making her uh, appearance in NXT pretty soon. Um, for those of you who do not know who she is, I'm telling you right now, if you think Asuka's a badass, wait till you see her. She's incredibly talented from what I've seen highlights of her. She's a good athlete. 
she plays this character she's like a pirate princess which is kind of odd i'm not sure she'll roll with that same gimmick in nxt i highly doubt it but as an in-ring performer she is fantastic man and this is good for nxt because we've been talking about it for so long that you know nxt has taken a little bit of a hit especially when it comes to their female talent you know when the four horsewomen left when alexa bliss left when nia Jax left when carmella left that left a huge hole in the women's division, and it's been a long recovery for NXT to have their women's division back to where it once used to be. They've had to roll out talents like Liv Morgan, Aaliyah, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Daria Baronado. Okay talents, but not great talents, all right? There's only two great talents on the NXT women's division, and that's Asuka and Ember Moon. And you can maybe throw in Nikki Cross. She's very good as well, but we mentioned it a number of times that Triple H, if you're Triple H right now... You have to go out there and try to find the best women talent available so you can help build this women's division up again. And he's been doing exactly that. He signed Mary Dobson, who's now Sarah Bridges. He signed Kimberly, who's a great female talent. She's already made a couple appearances on NXT. He signed Heidi Lovelace, who we'll be seeing pretty soon as the name Ruby Riot. And now she signed... Um, you know, Kyrie Hojo, we've heard Nixon Newell could be going to NXT pretty soon, maybe by after WrestleMania. So Triple H is doing what he had to do is that he has to go out there and build up his women's division again. And with those acquisitions, now including Kyrie Hojo, he's doing exactly that, man. And I can't wait to see all these female talent weekly on NXT because they're all great talent. All right, Kimberly is a great wrestler. Heidi Lovelace is a great wrestler. Nixon Newell is one of my favorite wrestlers right now in terms of the women. She's fantastic. And Kairi Hojo is a tremendous wrestler as well. So that's good to see. They need to replenish their women's division because, like I said, Ryan, after all those casualties because of the draft and call-ups, the women's division took a major, major hit. And we've said it on the show that Triple H has got to Got to get this women's division back to where it, went, where it used to be. And he's doing exactly that with all these signings. And Kari, Harjo, Kari Hojo is the next signing that's going to be going in NXT. And that's a great sign. She's a great talent. So great news to see that. Great news to hear. And I cannot wait to see this girl in NXT. Not sure when, but when she does make NXT, she's going to make a huge impact. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, it's a great sign, like you said, to see them signing women talent. Because that's a big big thing that they need to work on down in NXT and especially if uh you know Asuka you gotta think her time in NXT is quickly coming to an end she's gonna be on the main roster sooner or later uh you know and then it's just gonna be Ember Moon down there and again you you're gonna need some talent and I think uh you know Hojo is a great addition uh, I don't again I don't think she's just gonna go straight there I mean we've seen you know WWE sign some talent and then they don't debut for a while I hope they just don't waste any time with this one. I really don't. I mean, they just get her down there immediately. Uh, she's a good talent. She's very, very solid. I have seen her before. Uh, so for those who are unfamiliar, I definitely get familiar. Uh, or just wait and see because you'll definitely become familiar with her over time. Uh, she's pretty good. So I, like you said, I think Triple H is well aware of this. He, he knows that this is a huge hole in NXT. This is a huge problem. Uh, but it's, it's good to see them sign talent here and there because, again, 
you know, they wanted to do this whole women's tournament too. I think, you know, if they do that, that'll be great as well. But the main focus should be on women in NXT, and they got to develop some because right now we have not seen any development going on besides Ember Moon. I mean, really, there's just nobody there that really entices me or really gets me excited besides Ember Moon and Asuka. I mean, the others, the others are just not that good, and it's just it's obvious. So, uh, again, it's a huge hole needs to be taken care of, and I think this is just another step in taking that next step into making this women's division what it once was when you had the four horsewomen there. So I think that should be the ultimate goal for Triple H. And again, you're off to a good start with this signing with uh, Kyrie Hojo. So great to see. I hope there's more, though, following her. All right, we're going to get into some, some quick UFC news before we get into our preview and predictions for the two big events going on this weekend. Tomorrow night, Ring of Honor's 15th anniversary show on pay-per-view happens. And then I believe Saturday morning, Sunday morning, we get the first... Uh, the first round of the New Japan Cup is going down, so we're going to give our predictions for both those shows. But before that, let's talk about some UFC news going on. This past Saturday, we had UFC 209. Uh, it was okay in terms of the fights. Uh, the main event fight between Tyron Woodley and Steven Thompson was not great. It really wasn't. Not a lot went down. I mean, the first two rounds were boring. None of these guys took chances. Third and the fourth round is when we started seeing... Um, chances being taken from both guys, but in the fifth round, Tyron Woodley just completely went after Stephen Thompson, won the fight easily, so he's still your welterweight champion. Uh, a big fight that was supposed to go down did not go down. Habib Nurmagomedov was supposed to fight Tony Ferguson for the interim lightweight championship. When we went off the air, though, the news broke out that the fight was not going to happen because Habib didn't cut weight. He had to go to the hospital because of a medical issue. And that fight did not happen. Tony Ferguson refused to accept any other fights for the show. So that fight overall was taken off the entire card. They had to replace the fight with a female match, with a women's match. And that took a big hit on the entire show because that was one of the fights that I was looking forward to the most. Because you had Habib, who was undefeated, hungry competitor looking to become champion. Tony Ferguson, a credible cha uh, challenger as well. That would have been an awesome fight, and to see it not go down was just tough to see. So that took a hit on it. Uh, and for the rest of the show, my predictions, your predictions, Ryan, were not that great. Rashad Evans lost to Dan Kelly. That surprised me because uh, Rashad Evans is still, in my opinion, one of the best out there. Uh, Overeem versus Mark Hunt. I thought Hunt for sure was going to get. I thought Hunt for sure was going to um, win this fight because he was motivated after the Brock Lesnar situation. He got beaten up badly by Alistair Overeem. Um, you know, David Taymor versus Lando Venata, two guys I have no clue who they are. They had a good fight from what I've heard. You know, Venata, I had him winning the fight. He didn't. Taymor won the fight. So the women's match, I didn't get into either. So with the loss of Habib and, and Ferguson and the disappointing fight that was Woodley and Thompson, I thought two, uh, UFC 209 just was not a good fight card overall. It just didn't meet my expectations. I didn't order the pay-per-view. Uh, once Habib and Ferguson was off the card, I just didn't want to order because that was one of the fights I was looking forward to. And with that being scrapped, I was like, nah, I'm not going to order it now. I did manage to watch Woodley versus Thompson. There was a stream online that I can watch it. And I was disappointed in the fight because I expected big things. Their first fight was incredible. Their second fight was uh, was terrible. So UFC 209 was just not a good show overall. But Woodley's still your champion. Uh, the lightweight title fight will have to be waited uh, for maybe another couple of months. And uh, overall, though, the fight show was just not a good one in my opinion. Yeah, no, not at all. Um Again, some of the predictions were off. I, I actually did predict that Tyron Woodley was going to retain, so I was right on that. But, man, who saw that fight coming? I mean, again, 
after 205, you, you wanted to see more from these guys, and what they gave you at 209 was just embarrassing, to say the least. I mean, uh, so uneventful. They were saying the one of the most boring welterweight fights I've ever seen, so, I mean, I definitely could agree with that, because it just, it was terrible. It was not eventful whatsoever, and it was like, you're watching and you're thinking, wow, is this the same exact thing I saw at 205? Because uh, it for sure didn't feel like it, so... Yeah, as for the rest of the card, basically got half the predictions wrong as well because I predicted similar to what you predicted as well. Uh, so, again, but that's a sport of UFC. It's real. It's hard to predict sometimes. Uh, you know, you don't see certain things coming. You know, Rashad Evans falling like that. I mean, you know, again, you just don't see certain things like that happening, and they do. So, uh, yeah, not a good fight card at all. Not a good pay-per-view. But that's what you get with UFC. You never know since it's real and not scripted like WWE is. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that with that, uh, UFC 210 is the next big pay-per-view event. Not sure when it's happening, but the big fight taking place on that card, Anthony Rumble Johnson versus Daniel Cormier 2 for the light heavyweight belt. That should be a good fight overall. Let's now shift the focus back to wrestling, and we have two big events going on this weekend. Ring of Honor's 15th anniversary show takes place tomorrow night in Las Vegas. Uh, before we get into that, though, let's talk about what happened this past Saturday with Ring of Honor's uh, Man- Manhattan Mayhem show, uh, Brian, your, uh, excuse me, Ryan, your brother Nick was in attendance, and we were not Ryan, and man, we made a bad decision that we did not go to the show because, from what I read, from what I seen, Manhattan Mayhem was an incredible show simply for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Hardy Boys appeared live, challenged the Young Bucks for the tag team championships. And they won the freaking match, and they are the tag team champions. Who saw that coming? We were all expecting that match to go down at Supercard of Honor. It's still going to, but that's going to be their second match. Their first match took place at Manhattan Mayhem. It was a shock. The Hardy Boys came out, won the match, cut a great promo. The Hardy Boys announcing that they signed the biggest contract in the history of Ring of Honor. Uh, In terms of that situation, they have signed a contract with Ring of Honor. The issue is we're not sure how long it is. Some people heard it's a full-time deal. Uh, others have heard that it's just a deal for now until WrestleMania season's over with. And then after that, maybe around April, May, June, the Hardy Boys will negotiate a deal with the WWE because that's still the um, the uh, the rumors going around right now that it's still highly likely that they're going to head to the WWE. But right now, they're in Ring of Honor. They signed... And they're the tag team champions. Maybe they drop the belt at Supercard of Honor. After that, maybe they go to WrestleMania, make an appearance, or right after, maybe the night on Raw. Who knows? But, yes, the Hardy Boys appeared. They're the new tag team champions. That was shocking. And then in the main event, we had Bobby Fish versus uh, Adam Cole for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Cole won the match. After the match was over, Bullet Club came out attacking Bobby Fish and the Briscoes. And then out of nowhere, here comes Bully Ray. Comes out, attacks Adam Cole, puts him through a table, and then he gets on the microphone and announces that he has signed with Ring of Honor, which is a huge signing because we mentioned it before. Ring of Honor has lost so much talent that they need to stockpile more talent to headline their shows. Bully Ray is not the greatest talent when it comes to youth and future-wise, but as for the now in the present, he is a great pickup for Ring of Honor because he's a credible challenger for the ring of honor world championship he's a legitimate name for that show and for that company and he's never wrestled for ring of honor before so this is a new look for him this is a new opportunity for him and i think with his personality with his talent he can do great things for ring of honor so big night saturday night manhattan mayhem we saw the hardy boys appear 
They're the new tag team champions. And how about Bully Ray? He appeared as well. And he announced that he has signed a contract with Ring of Honor. Two big events going down that night, man. Headlining, from what I've heard, was an awesome Manhattan Mayhem event. Yeah, I mean, uh, for those who had tickets to that event, uh, you know, at the Manhattan Center for Manhattan Mayhem, man, they saw a treat. I mean, who saw that coming? Uh, the Hardys. Uh, you know, first off, I didn't even expect them to appear. I mean, they just got released from TNA this past week. They already pe appeared in a Ring of Honor ring with the Young Bucks. And who expected them to win the titles at the same time? I mean, this was unbelievably shocking. I mean, I did not expect this match to go down. Uh, you know, what you just said, my brother was in attendance. He's constantly sending me all, all this. Everything is going on. And, uh, you know, I just, I was very confused. I was like, wait, what? They have a match? And then when I seen them win, I mean, of course, social media blew up from it as well. It was one of the most talked about things uh, that went on this past weekend. Uh, shocking. I mean, I just I don't even know how to put it into words. It's unbelievably shocking uh, to see them win the titles so quickly uh, right after they get released from TNA. And then they just announced that they signed. I don't know how long they signed for, though, to be honest. I'm not buying that they signed long term. I'm still saying that they show up in WWE uh, in the next couple of months or so. I don't, I don't know what their contract is, but I'm just speculating here. I don't expect it to be a long-term deal. Again, Matt and Jeff Hardy are getting up there in age. I mean, how long are they possibly going to stay on the independent scene and work like Ring of Honor and stuff? I mean, hey, I, I, I wish they could do it for the rest of their careers, but we know it's unrealistic. We know they're going to end up in WWE at some point to finish off what they started. It's just inevitable. So to me... I'm not buying the fact that they signed on long-term. We'll see what happens in the next coming weeks and months, I guess. Uh, but, I mean, wow. Just unbelievably shocking to see the Hardy Boys in Ring of Honor winning the tag team titles. Uh, I mean, just shocked the world and created some uh, so much buzz online. So it was crazy to see. And then, again, that wasn't the only thing that went down. Bully Ray showing up in the main event. I mean, wow. I mean... If you didn't see the Hardys coming, you definitely did not see Bully Ray showing up. I mean, that was just just as shocking, if not more shocking than that. Uh, you know, I think Bully Ray and Ring of Honor, that's a perfect fit right there. I mean, just an absolutely perfect fit. I know he came close to signing with TNA again uh, this past week when they did the new tapings, but thank God he didn't. So glad he didn't. He just he he fits in Ring of Honor perfectly. He really does, and I think he, you know, judging by what my brother told me, he went on the microphone and said he's not here to win the world title. He's not here to be the top guy in the company. He's here because this reminds him of you know ECW. It's the closest wrestling company to ECW nowadays. Uh, so let's see what kind of impact Bully Ray makes in, in Ring of Honor. I'm very very curious to see. He's already on pay per view tomorrow night, which is cool to see. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked about this and just major headlines being created by Ring of Honor this past weekend. So very, very cool to see. And let's get into that uh, pay-per-view tomorrow night, 15th anniversary show. At the moment, six matches are announced for the show. There could be more. I'm not so sure yet. But here are the six scheduled matches for tomorrow's show. We'll kick it off with um, singles action. Jay Lethal versus Bobby Fish. Just a random match put together. Quick one here. I'm going to pick Jay Lethal. He's just a better talent. He's a bigger star for Ring of Honor. Should be a fun match, but Jay Lethal for the win. Yeah, I'm going to go Jay Lethal as well. I mean, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Bobby Fish picks off the win. But you know what? Jay Lethal re-signing with Ring of Honor here. Yeah, I expect him to do something down the line. So maybe a win will get him in line for an ROH title shot down the line. Who the hell knows? But I'll go with Jay Lethal as well. All right, six-man tag team action for the Ring of Honor World six-man tag team belts. The New Kingdom, and that is, of course, Matt Taven, TKO Ryan, and Vinny Marseglia. Uh, they are the current champions. They put the belts on the line against Dalton Castle and the boys. It should be an entertaining match, but another easy pick here. The New Kingdom are going to win this match. 
they became champions at Final Battle. They're not going to drop these belts immediately. They're going to be longtime champions from my from my perspective. They will should be an entertaining matchup, but to me, easy pick. The New Kingdom retain. Yeah, this is so easy. I mean, this is a really weird match. Dalton Castle is getting involved in. Uh, I guess they really have no opponent for the kingdom to really face. But, yeah, I mean, they're on the rise right now. There's a reason they became the first ever, you know, six-man tag team champs. Uh, I'm going to go with the kingdom. Easy, easy pick. All right, next matchup is another six-man tag team match. The Briscoe Brothers and the debuting Bully Ray, his first Ring of Honor match ever. They go one-on-one against War Machine. And a surprise one right here, Davey Boy Smith Jr., who, of course, is a part of Suzuki Gun and New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's, of course, a part of, as well, the Killer Elite Squad tag team with Lance Archer. But because Archer's out with an injury, uh, Davey Boy is now on his own as a singles guy. So he's getting this opportunity to take part in this match. Should be a physical, hard-hitting match. Should be awesome to see um, Bully Ray interact with the War Machine and the Briscoe Brothers. But easy pick again. Bully Ray's making his debut. He's not losing this match. I think he gets the pinfall as well. So... Give me the Briscoes and Bully Ray to knock off War Machine and Davey Boy Smith Jr. Yeah, I think this could be a really, really fun tag match. I mean, uh, of course, everybody's going to watch to see Bully Ray in action. And like you said, he's not losing his debut with the Briscoes. Um, apparently, he asked for this match, too. He wanted me to be involved in a six-man tag. Uh, they wanted to put him off on a, a warm-up match or something like that. I saw him tweet about. But he said, nah, I want to be in, in a match with the Briscoes. So... Uh, apparently the Briscoes remind him uh, of him himself and Devon, so uh, he's a big fan of them. Uh, curious to see how this match goes. I'm really looking forward to it, though, but like you said, Bully Ray is getting the win for his team. Our next matchup is for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Marty Skrull, the champion, versus Leo Rush. It's going to be an awesome match here. Two of the brightest young wrestlers in the world today will collide, but another easy pick. Marty Skrull is going to retain this belt. It's plain and simple, people. Marty Skrull might go down as the greatest Ring of Honor world television champion of all time. I know he just won the belt, but the way he's being booked, the superstar that he is, the talent that he is, this guy is going to have a very long run as champion. To who he drops the belt to, who the hell knows, but it's not going to be against Leo Rush. Marty Skrull retains in what should be an awesome match. Yeah, definitely. I'm so looking forward to this one. Marty's girl, like you said, is just on a freaking roll right now with this belt. There's no way he's dropping it, but man, I'm looking forward to this one. Leo Rush is on the rise. He is going to be the breakout star this year. Uh, big things coming for him. I cannot wait. I think this match has potential to steal the whole entire show, but I'm going to go with Marty Skrull to retain his belt. All right, this matchup right now is going to be my match of the night. Las Vegas Street Fight for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Titles. It's going to be, of course, the Broken Hardys, the champions. Defending the belt against the Young Bucks and the Rapungi Vice, who are the current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champions. Uh, should be an awesome match here at Las Vegas Street Fight with the Hardys and the Young Bucks. It's going to be awesome. Those two got those two teams know how to wrestle in these types of matches. I'm curious to see how Rapungi Vice fares in this type of match. This is a new uh, a new look for them. Uh, they don't wrestle in these types of matches as much as the Hardys and the Young Bucks do. But it's going to be physical. It's going to be awesome. There should be some great spots. But the Hardy Boys just won the belts. They're not going to drop it a week later. They're going to keep those belts until Supercard of Honor. So give me Matt and Jeff for the win. Yeah, very easy. The Hardy Boys are going to retain as well. They just won them. I mean, obviously, if the Hardy Boys don't win, the Young Bucks are winning. There's no way Rapongi Vice is winning. I mean, at Supercard of Honor, we know the Hardys and Bucks are going at it for the Ring of Honor tag belts. So it only makes sense. Uh, you know, the, the street fight stipulation is very, very interesting, and it adds a lot more intrigue, of course, now with the Hardy Boys involved, because it was supposed to be the Young Bucks and Rapunky Vice, but 
we all know what happened. We just talked about it. So uh, give me the Hardys to retain and what I think. You know, I just said Marty Skrull is going to, you know, steal the show. This also has potential to steal the whole entire show. So I'm definitely looking forward to this one. And then the main event for the Ring of Honor World Championship, Adam Cole put the belt on the line against Christopher Daniels. Of course, Christopher Daniels won this opportunity in that uh, tournament they had. I forgot what the tournament was called. Uh, my bad. Um, but he is the rightful number one contender for the Ring of Honor Championship. Uh, the story is there. It's a great story involving Frankie Kazarian, even though I'm not the biggest fan that Kazarian is a part of the Bullet Club, but it's still a, an interesting story now that Daniels is back on his own and he's getting this opportunity. It should be a fun match, but easy pick again. Adam Cole wins the match. He retains the belt, and I think he retains the belt thanks to distraction from Frankie Kazarian. It's going to continue to build their storyline. Heading to Supercard of Honor because we're getting Kazarian versus Daniels at that show. But easy pick here. Should be a fun match, but because of Frankie Kazarian, Adam Cole will retain the Ring of Honor world title. Yeah, I mean, you know what? The Super Card of Honor card really gives away the results for some of these matches. I mean, uh, it, it's kind of obvious to see who's going to win some of these. Adam Cole's going to retain easily. Um, I do think Frankie Kazarian could get involved, too. Again, like you said, just continues to build their story. Uh, you know, him and Christopher Daniels. So it makes sense. Um, but again, you know, Adam Cole's already facing Dalton Castle for the belt. And we got... Frankie Kazarian and Chris Daniels going one-on-one -on -one separate. So they're not going to change around the whole entire Supercard of Honor uh, card just because of, you know, a title change like this. It just, sometimes I just don't understand why they do this when the result is so obvious. But again, Adam Cole's retaining, probably with help from Frankie Kazarian, even though I don't think he needs help. Again, we'll continue their story. Um, but again, he'll still be the Ring of Honor world champ when it's all said and done. All right. Um, and let's now move on to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, before we get into their big event this weekend, and as, of course, the New Japan Cup 2017, uh, they had a recent show. I believe it was uh, this past weekend. It was the 45th anniversary show. Uh, Kazuchika Okada put the belt on the line against Tiger Mask. Uh, w, which of course is Kota Ibushi. Good match. Okada retained the belt. No shocker there. But the big story from that show, Zack Sabre Jr., man. This guy is having one hell of a 2017 so far. He's the current PWG World Champion. He won the Evolve title a couple of weeks ago. And now he's the new RPW British Champion in his first New Japan match. He beat Katsuyori Shibata for the belt. Shibata is one of the best talents in the world period and then after the match is over we find out that Zack Sabre Jr. is the newest member of Suzuki Gun. Of course in the match Suzuki Gun got involved they call Shibata the win and after the match was over Suzuki announced that Zack Sabre Jr. newest member of Suzuki Gun. What a way to make an impact on your first show man. You beat one of the best in the world in Shibata. You're the new RPW British Champion and now you're taking part in one of the best factions in wrestling. Great, great stuff for Zack Sabre Jr., who right now is having the best 2017 out of anybody at this moment. Yeah, definitely some uh, really, really exciting news to wake up to, to see that happen. I mean, Zack Sabre Jr.'s debut, it couldn't have gone any better. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, now he has three championships around his waist. I mean, the guy's on top of the wrestling world right now in the independent scene. Uh, it's great to see because he definitely deserves it. So, uh, But him jo joining Suzuki Gun, that's really what caught my attention. I mean, that was just as shocking as, as anything. I mean, uh, to see him get added to the group, I think it's very, very cool. It adds a unique dynamic to it. Uh, you know, Suzuki Gun, again, I thought they'd make a bigger impact than they have so far in New Japan. I really thought they'd come in and win every single title, but that didn't happen. I mean, uh, again, they barely won any, so... It's good to see Zach become a champion and join the group. 
uh, you know, Minoru Suzuki recruiting him. I think that was a very cool thing to see. I uh, still got to go back and actually watch the whole match with Shibata because I did not get to check it out yet. Um, but definitely will soon on my New Japan World. So uh, definitely check it out if everybody uh, you know wants to see it. But again, very, very exciting news. And good for Zack Sabre Jr. Again, three championships now, and he's on top of the world. Yeah, and uh, of course, it's a big event this weekend for New Japan Pro Wrestling. The New Japan Cup 2017. The first round will take place this weekend, plus some other matches. And the tournament is supposed to end on March the 20th. That on that day, we'll find out who the New Japan Cup winner will be, and the winner of that tournament will get a title shot down the road, probably at Dominion or some other show in the summer. So the bracket was revealed, the matches were announced. Here is the bracket. On the left side of the bracket, Hir- Hiroshi Tanahashi goes one on one with Lij member Evil. Uh, should be a fun match. I think Evil's a very underrated talent, but Tanahashi is still one of the faces, if not the face of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Should be an easy win for him, so give me Tanahashi to knock off Evil. Yeah, they, they, they uh, really teased this a lot uh, during the uh, last New Japan show. I forgot which one, but uh, Tanahashi and Evil were going at it to the point where you know refs and everybody had to come out and really really just separate the two. I mean, they were going at it nonstop, and it kind of got me a little bit hyped for this. I mean, they started building towards some of these first-round matchups, so uh, give me Ta- Tanahashi to win, because I just don't think him losing to Evil is going to happen. I mean, he's he's basically one of New Japan's best. Uh, Evil's pretty good, though, too, but I don't think he's going to go far in this tournament. So, yeah, I think Tanahashi will get this win. Alright, the winner of that match will face the winner of Yuji Nagata versus Tangaroa. It was originally supposed to be Tomiyaki uh, Homa in the match, but he suffered that scary neck injury, so he had to pull out. So Nagata takes his place against Tangaroa, of course, members of the uh, Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, not sure what to expect from this match, but to me, Nagata is a legend in Japan. He's one of their best workers. Uh, Tangaroa is a good, solid worker, but he's more of a tag team wrestler than a singles guy, so give me Nagata to pick up the win over Tangaroa. Yeah, give me Yuji Nagata too. I mean, again, he's a last minute add in here. Of course, we all know what happened to Hanma. Hope, hope uh, you know, he's okay. Uh, but I just don't see Tangaroa really getting the win over, like you said, a legend in New Japan. I mean, it really it would not be a good look, and I don't know how it would go down unless Tongaroa really does something cheap or gets, you know, Bullet Club gets involved somehow. I don't think that's going to happen, though. Give me Yuji Nagata. He's not going to go far, but I do think he'll get past this first round. All right, next matchup should be a good one. Michael Elgin versus Bad Luck Fale, two of the biggest, strongest wrestlers in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm not sure if this is their first encounter. If it is, it should be must-see, but Michael Elgin is hands down a much better performer than Bad Luck Fale. Fale is a good, solid performer, but Michael Elgin is one of the world's best since he's been a full-timer in New Japan. He has been awesome. So give me Big Mike to knock off the underboss, Bad Luck Fale. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I've had enough of seeing Bad Luck Fale. I mean, I'm just not a fan of big guys like this in general. Again, nothing they can really do about it. They're big. I mean, they can't really do much. He's one of the guys that could do more than somebody like the Big Show can do. I mean, he's proven that he can. But, I mean, overall, you don't view this guy as a world champion of your company. You don't really view him as the top guy. Again, he can't really do much. He can't really put on good matches with certain people. I do think him and Elgin will be very, very interesting, given the uh, you know how big these two guys are. But this is an easy pick, in my opinion. Michael Elgin's going to pick up this win easily. All right, and the winner of that match will face the winner of Toro Yanu, one half of the IWGP Heavyweight T- Tag Team Champions. He'll take on... Gorillas of Destiny member Tamatanga, another easy pick. You know, Tamatanga, 
He is a part of a tag team. He's a part of the Bullet Club, man. But this guy is completely underrated, in my opinion. He's a great, solid performer. And I think he's going to get this win easily. I mean, Toro Yano, he's basically the Santina Morella, the James Ellsworth of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's more of a comedy act than a legitimate wrestler. So, easy pick here. Give me Tamatanga to knock off Toro Yano. Absolutely. I think out of, you know, the two gorillas of destiny, I think Tomatonga is definitely uh, the one that could have a, a successful singles future. Uh, you know, saw him a little bit uh, in, in the uh, G1 Climax tournament back in the summer. Uh, he did pretty good. You know, again, I, I really dig him as a singles competitor. I think he could do really, really good on his own. Uh, I do think he's going to get the winner here over Toro Yano. I mean, come on, oh, Toro Yano, give me a break. Like you said, He's basically New Japan Santino Morella. He's just a comedy act. And again, I don't really like that. That's not what I watch wrestling for, is to, to have fun and, and view a guy who basically is a joke. I mean, again, he, he's popular. He gets the fans into it. He's just, he's not funny, in my opinion. He's not. Uh, I really just don't see anything in him. I think Tomatonga is going to get the win. I definitely agree with you. All right. On the right side of the bracket, this is when things get tough. Some of the first round matchups on the right side are very, very interesting. We'll start off at the very top. Katsuyori Shibata the former RPW British champion will go one-on-one against Suzuki Gun leader Minoru Suzuki, two of Japan's best talents. This was a this one was a toss-up for me. I'm not sure who is going to win this match. I'm going to pick Shibata because he's a much better talent. I think the Suzuki, he just does a lot more in the ring than Suzuki. I mean, I could definitely see Suzuki Gun get involved in this match and give Minoru the win, but Shibata is just a world-class talent, so I'm going to pick him. It's a toss-up, but give me uh, Katsuyori Shibata to, to knock off Suzuki. This is the toughest first-round matchup to predict. It really is. I mean, this could go either way. I'm going to pick Shibata, too, but it's it's going to do no favors to Minoru Suzuki and Suzuki Gun. I mean, really, to, to have him lose yet another match, it's just not going to do him any favors. It's really not. But again, I can't really see him knocking off Shibata either unless, like you said, Suzuki Gun gets involved. But usually in New Japan, you don't really see a lot of interferences like that. You don't really see a lot of these guys come out and interfere and help other guys win. You don't. You basically see clean wins all across the board. I mean, that's just mm -hmm. New Japan for you. Uh, I'm going to go with Shibata, too. But again, it's going to be really, really tough, and it's not going to be a good look for Minoru Suzuki. All right, and the winner of that match will face the winner of Yujiro Takahashi, another Bullet Club member, taking on the highly popular now Juice Robinson, the, of course, former NXT superstar CJ Parker, now formerly known as Juice Robinson, has been very over with the fans in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's been very good for them. Easy win here for Juice Robinson. Takahashi's more of a comedy act as well. He's a guy known as the Tokyo Pimp. He's more of a, a, a clown than as a good wrestler. He's okay. He's better than Toru Yano, but he's just like Yano in terms of entertainment-wise. Juice Robinson is actually a very solid performer, so give me Juice to knock off Takahashi. Yeah, Juice is having himself quite a year so far. He's really going up the ladder. I mean, going from a young lion like he was for quite some time uh, to now being involved in big-time matches here in New Japan. So uh, he's very, very popular. He's, he's on the rise, and he's a very, very solid talent, like you said. So I think he easily gets the win here over Yujiro uh, Takahashi. I really don't think, uh, you know, again, this guy, he, like you said, Tokyo Pimp, he's, he's in the, the Bullet Club, but he's really nothing all that special. Uh, he's not a bad talent, but again, I don't really see a huge future with this guy so i think juice uh, definitely has the upside here all right moving down the bracket another interesting first round match of tomohiro ishii versus kenny omega another great matchup that could be a finals match when you look at it but it's an easy pick here kenny omega is going to win this match this guy should be the favorite to win this tournament i mean he just came off a an amazing performance at wrestle kingdom 11 if there's anybody that should win this tournament it should be omega ishii is a great talent but he's not better than omega so give me the cleaner to knock off ishii 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to this one. This is going to be really, really good. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure this is not the first time these two guys are facing off, but it's the first time that I'm going to see these two guys facing off against each other, and I absolutely cannot wait. But it's clearly obvious, like you said, Kenny Omega has to win this whole entire thing. Let's put it that way. He's going to get past the first round here. Easy pick, Kenny Omega. And the winner of that will face the winner of Yoshihashi versus LIJ member Sonata. Yoshihashi is very popular in New Japan, but I'm going to go with an upset here. Give me Sonata to knock off Hashi. Uh, I mean, LIJ may be the best faction in wrestling today, and Sonata has been a big part of it. I think out of that group, he's the most underrated because you, when you think of LIJ, you think of Naito, of course, you think of Takahashi, and you do think of Evil. But man, Sonata, when I watch him more, I'm a big fan of this guy, and I definitely think if there's a way... For New Japan Pro Wrestling to, to highlight this guy as a possible future star for your company, this is the tournament to do so. To have him win the first round and then have a great second round match with Kenny Omega. So give me Sonata to knock off Yoshihashi. Very interesting. I mean, you got to think we're going to have some upset picks in this, but uh, I just I have a tough time seeing that happen. Uh, again, it, it would just be really tough. I think Yoshihashi, like you said, he's very, very popular, and I'm a big fan of Yoshihashi. I really am. I, I think this guy has a tremendous upside to him, and he really put on some great matches with Kenny Omega back in the G1 Climax over the summer. Put on great matches with Adam Cole for the Ring of Honor World Championship just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this guy is really, really good. He's very, very underrated, I think, because not many people talk about Yoshihashi in New Japan. I think there's other people who are light years ahead of him, obviously. Uh, but hey, he, he's, he's getting up there, so I'm going to go with Yoshihashi. All right, let's move on now to the second round. We'll, we'll do some quick uh, predictions here. Next one, Tanahashi versus Nagata. Easy pick here. Tanahashi for the win, again, like I said before. You know, he may not be the number one guy in New Japan, but he's still one of the main faces of that company. And Nagata's a good talent, but he's not better than Tanahashi. So Tanahashi for the win. Yep, I'm going to go with the same Tanahashi easy pick. Yep, uh, and the winner of that match will face the winner of Elgin versus Tonga. Another easy pick. Should be a good solid match here, but Michael Elgin's just too big of a star. He'll win over Tama Tonga. I think so, too, and we're going to get Elgin and uh, Tanahashi. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. All right, uh, next matchup on the right side of the bracket, Shibata versus Juice. Interesting matchup, but easy pick. Shibata gets the win over Juice. Juice Robinson's a good talent, but he's not better than Shibata. So give me Shibata for the win. Another easy pick. Ditto Shibata. And then finally, uh, Kenny Omega versus Sonata for me. For Ryan, it's Kenny Omega versus Yoshihashi. But we both are going to agree on this one. Kenny Omega, doesn't matter who's facing him, he's going to get the win. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, completely. Kenny Omega, and let me tell you, him and Shibata, that excites the hell out of me. And here we go. The final four, the two semifinal matchups on the left side. Tanahashi versus Elgin, two great friends, tag team partners going to be an awesome collision but give me big mike i think this is going to be a big year for big mike he's fully a part now of new japan pro wrestling he's no longer with ring of honor with him being a full-timer for new japan he's going to get a big push man and i think he's going to knock off his mentor hiroshi tanahashi so give me big mike for the win and he'll make the finals Ooh, that's 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 tough that's a bold prediction right there i'm going with tanahashi i just have a tough time seeing michael elgin beat him i think tanahashi really hasn't been to the top in a while i think he makes it to the finals here in the new japan cup 
And on the right side, which to me might be the best match of the entire tournament, Katsuyori Shibata versus Kenny Omega. I'm not so sure if this is their first time facing each other. If it is, holy crap, it's going to be awesome. Uh, but Kenny Omega for the win. I, I, he, like I said before, he needs this tournament. He needs to win this tournament to get back into the mix for the World Championship. So give me Kenny Omega to knock off Shibata in what should be, in my opinion, the match of the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, it excites the hell out of me. But give me Kenny Omega to pick up the win. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it some one way or another. He'll make it to the finals for sure. And in the finals for my bracket, I got Michael Elgin versus Kenny Omega. For Ryan's bracket, he's got Tanahashi versus Kenny Omega. But like before, this is a pick that we're both going to make on this one. Kenny Omega is winning this tournament. It makes absolutely. perfect sense. This guy had... Is just coming off one of the greatest, if not the greatest match in the history of this business. He re-signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling, which shows Gato that he's loyal to your company. And when you see that happen, you have to reward this guy with yet another title shot and possibly a title run before he makes that eventual jump to the WWE. All right, this guy deserves it. He's worked hard for it. He's an incredible talent. We need to see that rematch with him and Okada. The only way he's going to get that rematch is if he wins this tournament, and he will. It doesn't matter if it's Elgin. It doesn't matter if it's Tanahashi. Omega is winning this tournament. So me and you, Ryan, both agree Kenny Omega will win New Japan Cup 2017. Absolutely. Yep, that's, that, that's going to be an awesome tournament. It begins this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the first rounds, uh, the tournament is supposed to end on March 20th, and that will be the day when we see the winner of the tournament. So should be a great tournament overall. Looking forward to seeing it. Um, before we conclude the show, we want to talk about a little bit of WCPW. Uh, they had a recent show this past Monday called Exit Wounds. It was live on YouTube. And for those of you who do not know this wrestling company, WCPW, I'm telling you right now, please check it out. It's a company that is from Britain. It's a UK company like Progress, like um, Red Pro. They put on tremendous shows. And this past Monday was an awesome show. The main event match of the show was Drew Galloway versus Will Ospreay for the WCPW World Championship. What a match. Right now, one of the early match of the year contenders, in my opinion. That match was tremendous. Uh, Marty Skrull took on David Starr. A great match as well. We saw some other great action on the show. And we also saw the birth of a new faction growing in British wrestling. They're called the Prestige. Four guys are in this group. Joe Hendry, the local hero. Very underrated talent. Watch this guy. He's very good. Joe Coffey, uh, Travis Banks, and BT Gunn. Four underrated talents. Four big name stars in Britain have have formed their own faction called the prestige big plans are in store for this group and their next show march the 20th is a big show people big names are going to be at that show we have those guys along with galloway along with osprey along with marty Skrull, zach saber jr and the bullet club is appearing and that's adam cole the young bucks and cody rhodes will all be at the show should be an awesome one. I'm not sure if it's going to be live on YouTube. Might be on iPay-Per-View. I'm not sure what the situation with that is. But for those of you who do not know what Wall Culture Pro Wrestling is, check it out. They put on great shows. They have a great bunch of talent there. And this past Monday, Exit Wound Show was fantastic. Check it out on YouTube. It's freaking awesome. And we're going to give a shout-out to those guys from Wall Culture Pro Wrestling. They put on great shows every single time they're on. Yeah, absolutely, man. If you're bored on a Monday afternoon like I was, you know, Brian, you were watching as well. It's unbelievable. So entertaining. Drew Galloway, Will Ospreay, go out of your way to check that match. 
Absolutely tremendous. The final sequence, unbelievable. Just great stuff all around. So, yeah, shout out to them. Awesome, awesome show. Absolutely. So, there you go, people. There you have it. That is our show for the day. Uh, we will be back, of course, next Thursday. Same time, same channel. And hopefully you guys tune into this one because we have something special for you guys uh, next week. For the second time, we're going to do this. It's March. And around this time in the sports world, the big thing going on in the world of sports in the month of March is March Madness, the big college basketball tournament. So me and Ryan are going to do our very own March Madness bracket. We did it last year, and our brackets consisted of wrestling companies. And we did WWE, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and NXT. And TNA, not NXT, TNA. This time around, we're going to do something different. Instead of wrestling companies, we're going to do wrestling backgrounds, specifically wrestling heritages. So the four brackets will be USA-born wrestlers, Canadian-born wrestlers, uh, British-slash-Irish, UK-born wrestlers, basically, is what I'm saying, and Japan, Japanese-born wrestlers. We're going to do those four brackets. I'm going to create the brackets tonight. I should reveal the brackets some point this weekend. So hopefully you guys tune in Thursday because me and Ryan will reveal and we'll do our very own March Madness bracket consisting of the best U.S.-born, Canadian-born, U.K.-born, and Japanese-born talents in wrestling. So be sure to check that out. If you guys happen to miss this, though, of course, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes and on Stitcher. We're always going to be on there. Our shows are usually up some point the next morning. That should be up maybe later tonight, but definitely next morning. So check us out. And like I said, guys, you know, again, follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. For me personally, it's at B underscore Cynic95. For Ryan, it's at Ryan underscore Martirano. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And like us, follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. Want to get those likes up, guys. You know, we have big plans in store for the show for the future. So that's all the time we got. I'm Brian Sendek. He's Ryan Martirano. This has been the Royal Rumble Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next Thursday here on itsyourradio.com.